Welcome to three R's. Well, two R's. He was even on time, but you know, he's gone oh, out of the picture. No, I dropped something. There he bad. is. Welcome to three R Sports starting on time for the first time. Welcome to Rob, a very tired. Let's give him his sim, a very tired Robbie Davis. Yes, it was a long day of travel yesterday. Um, accumulating with me getting um, to traveling all through the night and getting to my house after a lift from the Atlanta airport to Chattanooga at uh, 5 a.m. this morning is when we left Atlanta and then got in and had to go to work. And then, yes, yeah, so it's uh, don't miss your flights, kids. Uh, Robbie, <laughs> uh, for us that don't understand that lifestyle, uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, uh, really? Yeah, Just I was in Palm day. Springs for the weekend, and then um, how's Morongo? I I wanted a nice evening to get home, and so I booked a six thirty a.m. flight, and then got to the. Even though I used to live in San Diego, um, I forgot how far the rental car return is from the airport. It's a way. And shuttle. Um, Missed my flight at 7.30 or 6.30 in the morning and it being Labor Day weekend. All the flights were booked. And so instead of a 6.30 departure, it was a 9.44 p.m. departure. Um, extremely get to Atlanta. Couldn't get to Chattanooga. And so my car was at, in uh, the Chattanooga airport. My luggage was in Chattanooga. Uh. I, uh, it was, yeah, just me and logistics is not... Not 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 my strong suit. So let me let me just go ahead and ask one thing. Did you stay in the airport from six to nine forty-five? No, no. Oh, I went thank out. God. I went out and bar hopped. Okay, good. Well, I'm that makes more here, sense. Davis. Yeah. Also, welcome, and we're going to have a special guest later, a friend of Mr. Rogers, Raj Meta from the West Coast too. We are. I mean, this is a West Coast podcast. A lot of little West Coast vibes here. All the good quarterbacks in the South are from there. I mean, sounds appropriate. <laughs> I knew he'd just kind of hang on to that one. And or seems appropriate, but yes. Roger, times. Uh, we're not talking about baseball right now. We're going to talk about football. But can the Dodgers run the Giants down or is it too late? No, they're a game back. Um, you know, they – they with lost two out of three in go. San Francisco. With four weeks to go, they lost two out of three in yeah. San Francisco, and they lined up their pitchers. Uh, you know, Walker Bueller was thirteen and two with a two ERA, and the Giants got. To him. And the Giants, you know, they're having like eight dudes that are having career years, and they're getting enough pitching, and they play good defense, and you know, it's good baseball. They were expected to finish third or fourth, and uh, they're obviously not. So I wouldn't have it. Any other way? Well, I would have, but another way. But the Dodgers and Giants, in my opinion, is the best rivalry in baseball. And to have them each one game apart with the two best records in baseball with a month ago, uh, that's pretty sweet, if you ask me. Well, there's some there's some breaking. <clears throat> the Braves are struggling, and I'm sure we'll cover that later on. But the Braves put together a nice run with the pickups, and they're still in first place. But they're really kind of stumbling to the to the end. But we've been waiting for it. We've been excited for it. Tonight, it's about the start of football season. 
Uh, Robbie, while you were in luxurious Palm Springs, were you able to partake <laughs> in some games? I I did. You know what? Because I I have to kind of know what I'm talking about, or at least try to. I was jumping from pool to inside to watch some games, so I I caught a little bit of a lot of action. Um, the of air conditioning you. the air conditioning was needed. It was a nice 112 degrees while we were Bobby. there. So, yes. Bobby. Of course, you don't have to watch games as approved by our fantasy league with our two-time champion, Lenny, who doesn't even own the TV. Uh, Rog, I know you were in Palm Springs, but how much time did you spend in front of the TV this weekend? I saw a good bit uh, of what I could tolerate. You, you know, I'm, I'm always torn between, you know, great offenses or just crumb defenses or great defenses or crumb offenses. You know, I, just hyperbole kills me. But from what I saw um, – you know, I don't think it was as cool like most opening weekends, but Alabama. Ugh. And, hey, Rob, isn't it funny how people on the West Coast look at you weird when you're like, I'm going inside to watch football, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, in yeah. the South, you no. know, it's like you don't plan a wedding on a Saturday, and for good reason. But out West, they're just like, what are you talking about? You know, like, they're like, college football started? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank, that's USC's fault. Yeah. Well, uh, well. And we'll get to it just a little later. The Crosstowners have a big win on the board. So let's start at the top of the poll and start with the University of Alabama taking on Miami. Did anybody, and I think I said it on the show, I think a couple of us said it, any hope Miami had was gone with Derek King running his mouth about how they were going to beat Bama. That's one you just let, you sneak up on them. You don't come kicking down the front door. I thought Bama was very impressive. How about you, Robbie? Yeah, so I, I watched a lot of this game. Um, I was wrong. I thought Miami had a chance. I thought with all of the – I mean, Alabama, they don't rebuild. They just reload. It's five-star guys coming after five-star guys. But it's still your first your first time playing a real – I mean, a good team, not, a, not a, like a really good team, but a solid team and a solid program that – he has his building there, and man, it was just like, all right, here we go again. Um, everyone, you know, and yeah, they they looked great. Bryce Young looked great. It's just talent everywhere. It would. Um, they're so good. Even after losing what they lost last year, uh, would it shock you if Miami? ends up as a bottom half, number eight, number nine team in the country. I mean, I thought Miami's uh, – they're a pretty good football team. They yeah. could win the ACC from what I yeah. saw. Yeah, that's one of these definitely – like I want to keep an eye on them in the next couple of weeks and be like, were the, were, was that game a little overhyped or is Alabama that separated from the rest of college football at this moment? I mean, there's no well, shame in that game. They got Michigan State in a couple of weeks, by the way. Uh Miami. Uh, but yeah, quick note. Uh, what I thought was impressive is De'Aaron King threw the ball 31 times and Miami rushed the ball 31 times. Now, granted, uh, it was balanced. like a two-point yeah, well, yards per carry. Um, and there's no shame into losing number one early, but number two to an NFL team. Uh, you know, if they can run the table with a pretty straightforward schedule, 
Uh, you know, I don't see any reason why. They don't play Clemson, right? Clemson so. and North Carolina lost this weekend. The ACC is a mess. Yeah, they had, they had a bad yeah. day, bad weekend. Number two coming into the weekend was Oklahoma, and they struggled against Tulane. My preseason pick to win the national championship falls this week from two all the way down to six. Yeah, a, a, a Tulane team that don't don't forget they've been displaced. They've been worrying about travel, where where they're going to stay, all these things playing on a, a weekend of travel for people where it's hard to get hotels. Um, there was a lot of distractions for that Tulane team, and um, yeah, they they came close. Um, that was kind of the uh, oh my gosh, uh, App State. At Michigan moment. Rog, did you see any of that game? I saw a lot of it, actually. Um, number one, that QB, uh, I don't think he'll be at Tulane four years. Uh, Michael Pratt, not to be confused with the Spencer Pratt from Laguna or the Hills or whatever. Kind of looked like that dude, too. That guy was legit, dude. Uh, you know, on top of what Robbie is saying, Tulane lost their offensive coordinator, Will Hall, who had the second and fourth highest scoring offenses in Tulane history. Will Hall became the head coach at Brett Favre University, uh, Southern Miss. Now, he was replaced with uh, Chip Long, who was like the Broyles runner up at Notre Dame, and he's been around forever. Uh, and that offense, man, they were, I mean, they have two good backs, they got Pratt, but they basically did what they, you know, it looked like Oklahoma had put them away. But they didn't. And, you know, I know Pratt's QBR was higher than uh, – or, sorry, uh, Rattler's QBR was higher than Pratt's. But, I mean, I thought Pratt outplayed uh, Spencer Brattler's. They call him, hey, oh, clever. Um, I'm just – I can't get over QB1. That kid was killing me. But, you know, it, it's important not to overreact. However, no matter what you think about – Bad offenses, good defenses. If you saw like Georgia Clemson versus Oklahoma, there is a marked difference between you know the top five teams and OU. So interesting. I wanted to discuss Clemson, Georgia next. What a yawn fest! And either I think I was most disappointed by Georgia's offensive output. Um, they were six offensive points scored. The only touchdown came off of a Clemson interception. It was a snooze fest. And either Clemson and Georgia or the 85 Bears reborn, or both of those air offenses got a long way to go. I mean, it was it was brutal, Robbie. What did you see in the game? Uh, so I, I go the other way. I'm one of those. This reminded me of that um, Alabama LSU, the 6-3 game. Uh, it, uh, yes, it was historically bad that that way. I, I I like the intensity of it. That one mistake is going to lose it, and that's what happened. Clemson made the mistake and pick six. Um, Georgia goes in. Um, my I, I hate to write teams off after one week. Yeah, but I don't see how Clemson gets into the playoff I, with with that schedule and. You know, even if Georgia falls off, one-two in the West, um, I, th- I think I think the SEC is getting two in, and um, and 
you know, but yeah, I agree with you. Either those teams are the, have great defenses, or both of those have, offenses have a long, long way to go. Rog, what was your gut reaction? You know, somewhere in between. I agree with you, Randall. It wasn't just great defenses. Um, you know, one thing about Georgia's, I mean, uh, what's his name? Zamir White. That guy was crushing it, man. I mean, why didn't he get the ball more? I don't understand. He had, a million-dollar question. Yeah, I mean, dude had like a – he was averaging like six yards per carry or something like that. Um, you know, and yeah, the, when I watch teams like Georgia, I've always said this, the eye test, especially someone coming from the Pac-12, is like there's no way I, I need to uh, – like whatever that Japanese team in Little League, I need birth certificates on these dudes or, or, <laughs> or Bishop Sycamore or something because they're not – these kids aren't in college, dude. I've never seen people that look like that, let alone kids. But, you know, I just expected more from this game. You know, returning starters at quarterback. I was about to be proud and talk trash about I mean, all I have are California quarterbacks, but those guys look crappy. I mean, both of them had terrible QBRs. Both of them, all they could do is, is basically check down. Each guy averaged like under five yards per completion, which is sad. Uh, you, you know, again, great DBs across the board and not to, you know, George has got a, a what's his name? A Kendrick? Is that uh, the, the transfer from uh, Clemson? I don't know if that factored into anything, but I'm not going to call it like rationalize and say great defense and every play. Uh, it, it was uh, intriguing and, and I was at the edge of my seat because I wasn't. Uh, now, that being said, are those like two of the best five defenses in college football? Yes. But if the standard is Alabama, then those teams offensively and defensively are going to get rolled. Let me ask you guys this. Does this, and I know it's one game and overreaction Tuesday, but (laughs) does this at all change or at least make you curious um, about Dabo Sweeney, about his team not showing up for this big game? And it's the first kind of big game he's had in a long time without generational talent to quarterback, being it Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Dude, DJ is strong, dude. He is oh, no, a I mean, good he, no, he, you know, he, he's, he's a good – he is a really, really good quarterback. He's not those two guys, though. Let me, I mean, those let two me guys weren't it. considered that when they first got there as sophomores. You know, let they – Lawrence definitely was. Okay, a, yeah. A different – Lawrence a different is a golden view of it. I think they're missing a generational talent at tailback. That yeah. team without Travis Etienne did not look the same. And you have to remember, you know, that team's had Amari Rogers on the outside. It's had um, Hunter Renfro on the outside. That team offensively didn't look like DJ had the talent around him to me that Trevor Lawrence had had, and especially at the tailback. I, thought I, I think they finished with two yards rushing, two. Yeah. Uh, yep, it, they did. The, the, That's amazing. The <laughs> fall off from what I saw Travis Etienne be and Page at the tailback is much – to me it was more shocking than Trevor Lawrence to DJ. I was expecting Alabama to look more like Clemson, really struggle on the offense, struggle to put new pieces in. Um, and that was not the case. Good God, they're they're going to they're going to they're going to beat they're going to beat Tennessee by forty five points. 
It might be seventy in the first twenty-five. In the first but half, yeah, be- I agree, man. Uh, Saban, oh, Saban does like here. to take it easy on Tennessee coaches. Their first couple of years, he usually beats them by like thirty. I think I think he beat Pruitt by like thirty-one on the dot. Each or maybe was- yes. We just recently fired his prize pupil, though. And yeah, he's right yeah. man, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, playing Tennessee for okay. Alabama or anybody is like preseason, man. They're not going to show you anything. It's all vanilla. But yeah, what happened to Justin Ross, uh, Napa, California kid? Uh, Joseph Nyad was uh, amazing, but I thought you know the receivers would bail out DJ. But I agree with you guys; the offense was suspect. Let's blow through a couple of other games that were kind of non-factors. Number six, uh, Texas A&M rolled up Kent State as they should. Number seven, Iowa State struggled with Northern Iowa. And I watched that game a lot because I happened to play the under, which is one of the best things I did. Maybe the only smart thing I did all day. So that shows you how my Saturday went. Uh, Iowa State is a very good football team, but they have to be motivated to play, and that was a very unmotivated team. I think Iowa State is a type of team that can take a big boy out, but they're not the type of team that can roll the footballs out and beat somebody, even Northern Iowa, by 30 points. Northern Iowa played harder, and it really looked like Iowa State was going through the emotions. Any reaction from either of you guys on that game? Um, I, I think for Iowa State, it was the classic look-ahead game. They've got Iowa coming in this week. Game day is going to be there. Um and they, yeah, you're right. They tried. They rolled it out. It's Northern and, Iowa, dude. Oh, no. Look I, ahead. I the, st- the starters should have been sitting on the bench after you know the middle of the second quarter. Uh, I don't get, but they, I'm they, with you. They forgot about all. A lot of those kids didn't get recruited by Iowa State, and so yeah. they wanted to play hard. And the other two, other team, I think, was looking ahead, which is amazing to do for your first game of the season, but um, I think that uh, and, and Iowa had one of the more impressive wins. I think my, my preseason Big Ten team flopped like a dog. Yeah. Well, with that point about Iowa uh, and Northern Iowa, do you think that Vandy got caught looking at it? <laughs> Couldn't even spit it out, huh? <laughs> East Tennessee State beats Vandy like a drum. I had to throw it out there at some point. Ah, oh, dude, I can't uh-huh. say anything either. You know, I, I mean, look right. at that game, too. I watched some of it real quick. You know, Purdy, another check down wonder, dude. I mean, against Northern Iowa, they just kept everything in front of them. He was 21 for 26 for 177 yards. I mean, if you got Hall as your running back, you should be able to go over the top a few times. You know, that, that was pretty ugly. And I'm not going to spoil anything, and, and Rob's probably thinking what I'm thinking, but – I mean, my bet your nuts certainly surrounds this game, and it does not favor Iowa's. Never mind. I've given away too much. <laughs> uh, number eight, Cincinnati rolls over Miami of Ohio. The Mac were out for paychecks in week one. Definitely. Um, I thought that was pretty much run of the mill. Um, let's see here. Uh, number I think we skipped a little bit there. I think we had some teams still idle this week. 
Let's go to number 11, Wisconsin, versus number 19, Penn State. I thought Wisconsin, well, first of all, only slightly more exciting than Georgia-Clemson. This game stayed 0-0 deep into the game. Finally, Penn State wins it 16-12. But, again, both defense played well, but not much offense. Um, it was it was Big Ten football at its finest. At its worst or finest? I'm not sure which one to go with. You know, the only good player seemed like Wisconsin running back that Clemson transfer, Malusi. Uh, you know, I don't understand why Penn State and LSU are losing teams last year, but suddenly, you know, they're number 19 and 16, and now Penn State's near the top 10. What has changed? I, I just don't see that kind of jump. Uh, this game was ugly, and I saw a lot of it. You know, Wisconsin offensively is going to do the same thing, and I, I can't I, – I, I mean, I uh, – I think Tennessee would get both of these teams a game. And I don't mean that disparagingly. And, and you know, probably Joe Milton would have to take the bench. But I just thought it was ugly football. I, I don't think it was, you know, great Big Ten action by any means. And uh, like I said, I don't understand why these teams, especially Penn State, is suddenly so highly ranked. Um, it was gross. And you did miss the Oregon game. I think they're higher ranked. But Oregon struggled with them. Well, they struggled with Fresno State, and their quarterback, Anthony Brown, barely made it at Boston College. And if Oregon's going to be in the Pac-12 championship, Brown will not be their quarterback. Um, I also was wanting to clear some room. Go ahead, Robbie. Oh, I was going to just say, if that is an indication of Big Ten football in September, when it gets to October and November, it's going to be unwatchable. Like they just that was that was a horrible, boring, you know, and they they each looked slow. You compare that to the defenses of Clemson and Georgia, another low scoring game. At least, I mean, God. those defenses jumped off the screen. There's some players. Uh, Georgia would have hung thirty or forty on either of those teams. Like right. it, it just they, after Ohio State. Um, the gap is really, really, really big um, for, for the next team in the Big Ten. And Ohio State's got a lot of pressure now to beat Oregon um, in this matchup coming up. They're going to kill them. And aren't they 14-point favorites? Something like that? They are. And I think now, Ohio State them. played on Thursday night, so the results are not here. They struggled at times, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and brand new quarterback, tougher game on the road. Oregon's got Fresno State at home. Um, you know the Oregon defense is legit. They've got playmakers. They can definitely confuse C.J. Stroud. But I can't. I mean that offense was pathetic, and against that defense, good luck. So besides the Oregon game, I wanted to go back and catch number ten. North Carolina gets beat. By Virginia Tech, seventeen to ten on Friday night. That really, to me, with Miami losing, Clemson losing, North Carolina losing, that was pretty much everybody we talked about in preseason from the ACC. It was as bad a night 
as ever. Uh, Sam Howell throws for 208 yards, but three picks. Um, Ty Chandler, the Tennessee transfer, only gets 10 carries. Uh, North Carolina looked Friday night in disarray. Robbie, did you get to see any of that game? Friday night, I was in the air. I missed most of it. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just as we're talking, when's the last time you guys can remember three different top 25 matchups where all six teams didn't break 20? I mean, in college football, that's hard to – college football is so slow. It is so offensive-friendly, and – these teams are playing in the teens. I mean, that's that's amazing, really. Uh, Great it, defense, bro. Great defense. Yeah, uh, it, uh, it it's it's not a good look for the ACC, and that's another reason why I go back to. I think Clemson's going to have a really hard time. There's just not any more good wins on their schedule. South well, Carolina, they better pray the Gamecocks are awesome. Because that's yeah. their last game of the year, right? Because they don't play Notre Dame this year, if I'm correct on that. I don't think the, so. Um, I believe this Which is – That was a good game, too, Notre Dame-Florida State. I was I was impressed with Florida State. Um, and the, the they actually sold out their stadium, which is a rare thing for them these days. So the new AP poll, if I've got it correct here, is – Alabama one, Georgia two, Ohio State three, Oklahoma four, which I cannot believe Oklahoma State stayed at four, Texas A&M five, Clemson six, Cincinnati seven, Notre Dame eight, Iowa State nine, and Iowa ten. So it's a top ten battle this week with Iowa Iowa State. Um, let's get let's go on and get through some more games. He mentioned the Oregon game. Um, number 12 last week, I believe was, let's just move ahead. I don't, I ain't worried about who's 12. Um, Florida kind of workmanlike with Florida Atlantic. Nothing to really talk about there. Number 14 last week was Miami. Number 15, USC. Of course, with a resident USC fan here. San Jose State's a pretty bad football team, but they did what they got to do. Um, hey, you know, San Jose State's the defending Mountain West champ. Their quarterback, Nick Starkle, was, wasn't great at Mississippi State, but, you know, they returned a lot of talent. That being said, I'm rationalizing. That game was far too close late. Uh, you know, Sam Howell is the most overrated quarterback in the country. Second is my boy, Slovis. He held on to the ball forever. I've always thought that. I think he's going to have a magic injury and be replaced by Jackson Dart, the freshman, eventually. One good thing is Todd Orlando, the former Texas defensive coordinator in the USC defense, played very well against a lot of a returning talent. Again, it, it wasn't Georgia or Clemson, but I'm not harboring any delusions about this being a playoff team. Uh, you know, defense played well. They didn't do a lot offensively, uh, but you know, they had some nice transfers make plays. And, uh, yeah, 30 to 7, you know, you, nice week one result, if you ask me. It was a, it was a, yeah, I, and San Jose State was decent last year. You're right. Uh, but the next two games, we're going to spend a large 
amount of time on. So I want to get to the gut reaction and we'll spend quite a bit of time here. UCLA 38, number 16 LSU 27. Not really a game that was that close at any point. I don't feel like LSU was ever threatened by UCLA. Uh, LSU's defense looked as equally bad against UCLA as it did last year to start the season against Mississippi State. Uh, My gut reaction, though, is UCLA might be a better football team than we thought. Going around the horn, uh, we'll start with Rods, then come to you, Robbie. What was your gut reaction of UCLA? And, And two, is UCLA a top 25 team? UCLA beating LSU. I think they are a top 25 team, but then again, like I've said before many times, after the top four or five, I don't really care how you kind of throw the other teams into the mix. Again, uh, being said, yeah, UCLA was strong. And, you know, Zach Chardonnay, the from Southern California, as a freshman at Michigan, he dominated. Last year, I don't know why he never got the ball. Maybe just Harbaugh transfers to UCLA. Uh, he had 11 for 117 and a touchdown. Uh, he's averaging, I think, over 13 yards of carry thus far this year against Hawaii and LSU. You know, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's a senior. Their tight end, uh, Greg Dolchich. That guy's money. He had three catches for 85 yards. He did what they wanted to offensively. The most surprising thing about this game was that LSU couldn't run the ball. And I was very Nothing. surprised by that. And it wasn't just because they were behind. Uh, last time UCLA stopped the run, I think it was like 1974. Like, I wasn't even born. Randall, you'd have to talk about it. But I was uh, I was very surprised by that. Uh, so, again, before you go LSU, the- Penn State. 1974, Tennessee, UCLA, 26-all-talk. Go ahead now. All right. I remember Peyton Manning's first game after uh, Todd Helton got hurt in, what, 93 or 94 at the Rose Bowl? That would have been 94, and I sweat my ass off. It was the hottest day I've ever experienced in Southern Cal. They came out. It was hot. And they, they took the ice out of the ice coolers and dumped it in the middle of the walkway because so many people were passing out just to get people cooled down. It's the hottest day I ever remember in Southern Cal. So, it was hot. Of course, I've never I remember. Spring, so, you know. That's uh, dry heat, desert hot. That day was hot. I remember, like, I bailed early. The tickets were free, but uh, went up to Colorado Boulevard. But, yeah, that was hot. Um, again, though, LSU, suddenly 16th in the country. Penn State, suddenly 19th in the country. I'm kind of Herm-esque, and they are who we thought they were, whatever he had said. You know, why are these teams suddenly, uh, you know, ranked in the top 20? And, and, again, it kind of speaks to my point about the top 25. I mean, pretty much anybody can be ranked, you know, aside from those teams that we know are, are very strong. I mean, doesn't Tennessee, like, until, like, third week in September, aren't they generally ranked? And then reality sets in. Like, it, I, I feel like that's the case for so many teams. But UCLA, that being said, they can run the ball and they stop the run. And uh, they were uh, – LSU was certainly bigger than them. So, yeah, I was impressed. And I think we're going to kick our, you know, what, later. 
Um, Robbie, what did you think of the game? What was your gut reaction? So three, three major takeaways. Um, one, that that is uniform porn right there. Those teams look fantastic. Um, it, that, is, second, that is that is my second favorite third my maybe my first and second favorite uniforms. Yes, they are yes. great. Um, the second thing is these are two coaches heading in different directions. Um, I think Coach O is going to get the Gene Chizik treatment. Hey, you won us a championship, but mm, man, that was a one-year wonder, and um, it's not going well. And I think Chip Kelly has got UCLA heading in the right direction. They they actually they had some a lot a lot of uh, um, LSU fans in the stands this time, so got a little gate revenue, which helps. Um, and then the third thing is, my. God, how can an LSU team be so bad on defense? These stats, UCLA completed nine passes, nine, for 260 yards and three touchdowns. Every third completion was a touchdown. They gave up to the the leading rusher 117 yards on 11 carries. If you are giving up 26 yards per completion and 110 plus yards per rush, with all those athletes, like it boggles the mind. The tight end averaged 40 yards per catch. I don't know if you said that. I just I lost reception for a sec, but yeah. 40 yards per catch from a tight end not named Kelsey what is yeah. that, dude. Yeah, that's insane. And, like. Somebody lost someone there. It, yeah, it was just mind blowing. They could they could be so bad on that side of the ball. So let me let me give y'all some um some numbers here. In 2020, LSU was number three in recruiting. 2019, number four. 2018, number 15. In 2017. They were, if I remember correct, the 17 team was seventh. So they've been three, four, 15, and seven. Now, understand, I understand why Tennessee struggles right now. They have 62 scholarship players. This is a program that is recruited at a top average five level that just does not get it at this point. It reminds me, Robbie, and uh, to go back to the, I believe it was the 2003 team from Tennessee that started the year number three with all that talent that finished five and six. I think LSU could be headed to a sub 500 record again. Yeah, and if that happens, I don't see how, you you know, you look at – I mean, Saban's obviously the except he he left on his own. Saban got there one one. Uh, Miles took over one one, then he got fired. Um, Orgeron took over, got got one. I think he's going for that same fate as Les Miles, and uh, you know, they just don't put up with. I mean, and Miles had a lot more success after his championship. Yes. Than 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 uh, Coach O is having right now. Um, I know they love him. He's a 
he loves it there. He would never leave if he could keep it going, but it doesn't look promising right now. Did um, Rog as Chip Kelly went from a red hot scorching seat to maybe just a regular red hot seat? It helps. There's no doubt about it. I think he was was 12 and 21 or something like that coming in. You know, it seems like he's adjusted. He's found Charbonnet and he's running the ball because I think he came in and wanted to be, you know, that guy again, which he obviously wasn't after his stint in the NFL. And Oregon was just loaded with offensive talent. Um, being said, he does have a history with Coach O. And, uh, yeah, I think Coach O, Robbie nailed it. He's like Chiswick. And if he didn't sound like he's from LSU, and sorry, I don't know offense to anybody in the body my attempt, but – you know, if he wasn't so perfectly gumbo, I think he would have been gone already. And, uh, yeah, this is it for him, I think. And and Chip Kelly was – I agree. He was probably on his way out if not for this, uh, you, you know, this type of win. They need to keep it up being said. You know, he doesn't have the same talent, the same monsters. You know, LSU's bigger, stronger, faster. They just got oh. outcoached. I mean, again, yeah. if a tight end goes for 40 yards per catch – and probably your defense needs some tweaking. And, so, uh, Roz, you probably know this better than I do, or not probably, you do know this better than me. Um, I mean, UCLA is a publicly funded school in California. They do not like to spend a lot of money on paying coaches not to coach. And so I would I would assume that buys him a little more. This game and that fact probably buys him security. Absolutely. Wanna, Who's left, wanna, you know, name-wise that makes people happy, right? I want to go through this schedule real fast, and I want you both uh, to listen to all the games and give me a prediction for UCLA. They are off this week. They are, Next game, September the 18th, Fresno State at UCLA. When? When? At Stanford. When? I agree, when? Versus Arizona State. It's I think that's the first slip up. I agree. Chip Kelly is has no. It's I think it's at home, isn't it? Yeah, it's at UCLA. Yeah, it is at home. But Chip Kelly, that's one thing he's demonstrated. And Chip Clay Helton's the same thing. No consistency whatsoever. They tend to slip up. I agree with with, I agree with Rob that uh, Arizona State's a pretty decently coached team. I think that is a slip up. At Arizona. I like UCLA. At Washington. Another potential slip up. Washington lost to Montana this week, but uh, Husky Stadium is not a fun place to play. You know, that's the thing about UCLA. Can they win on the road? So I I think think that's a great, that's the second one. Here's the part of the schedule I think that gets them at Oregon. Loss. To me, that's another loss. That's it's home against Oregon. Home against Oregon on the road at Utah. I think they can beat Oregon, but at Utah is going to be tough. Yeah, that's okay. a, that's a tough place to play. Best Especially that time Oregon. of the year for the kids living in Southern California. It is yeah. cold, possibly wet. Um, Halloween night. Yeah, it's going to stay. Colorado at home should be a win. Yeah. USC, I would go lost. 
I know a lot of Trojan fans and alumni that would want USC to lose because they pray that that would be the end of the Helton era. But, you know, that's a risk that I, I'm not willing to take. Robbie, you have some reserve. This is this is this is one of those. Yes, both of these coaches like flip a coin on who's going to blow this game. I mean, uh, it's probably whoever's ranked higher is going to lose. Okay, well I can buy that. Well and then, then Cal at UCLA. If uh, I judged everything right, at worst they're eight and four. And I think they're better than that. I I give them nine and three. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah I think I, I I can go. Yeah, one of those two. I think is their outcome, um, which I think is a, a good a good That's year. Great for them. Yeah. So the next two games is LSU against McNeese State and Central Michigan. Uh, they should win those games. Then at Mississippi State. They should win that one. At, uh, then they play Auburn at home. Do they beat Auburn at home? Auburn, Auburn. I didn't see the game, but they looked. I mean, the scoreboard looked nice. I mean, That's, if they can't stop Zach Charbonnet, how are they going to stop homeboy the tank, dude? They're, that guy's going to run wild. But then again, the only thing LSU really has going for them is Tiger Stadium at night. At mm-hmm. Kentucky, I think it's 100% a loss. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree. I think Kentucky wins that. Florida at LSU. I like Florida's side of that. Yep. At Ole Miss. <laughs> loss. As of right now, that's a that's an L. At Alabama. Just step that, that one. It's probably the nail in the coffin. Uh, Arkansas should win. Should win. Louisiana Monroe should win. Win. Texas A&M at Tiger Stadium. It's a loss. Dude, I. That's one team that I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on the quarterback Haynes King. I know they have a ton of talent. I'm not saying LSU's better than them, but that's always a weird game. Wasn't that like the that, 70 to 68 game and like 28 OTs? Was that those two teams a few years ago? Yeah. That's a weird game, man. Um, so I just, at, I mean, coin. I don't think AM's at, that great. At best, you have them six and six. At worst, five and seven. That gets him fired. That Auburn sure. game at home, if they lose that, it could go bad. Fast. One, two, three, four. Four games in a row, which we all think they're going to lose, ending with an at Alabama potential just. Beat down. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah. All right. That big speed. Whoa, I got the monster. So let's move on just a little bit. Um, I think we beat that horse to death, but I don't think Coach O makes it through the season. That's my prediction. Uh, the the to me the most impressive game I watched team wise. I watched about a quarter and a half of it. Iowa thunk Indiana. A Indiana team we feel that's probably got one of the better coaches, very well prepared, 34 to 6, and it could have been 54 to 6 if they'd want it to be. 
Uh, is Iowa real in the Big Ten? I think by default, um, because of how bad I think the Big Ten is. Um, they had the best showing, I thought, of anyone not named not named Ohio State. Um, I maybe Indiana was maybe we they they they're not as good as we thought they were. Um, but that team has some hype, and yeah, well coached. But uh, Kirk Ferentz is also one of those known to blow some games that he shouldn't lose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think their quarterback short. Uh, Petrus is not that awesome. Uh, they're all defense. They're old school. Three yards in a cloud of dust. That being said, I didn't think they would shut down the Indiana offense. P. Nixon, five-star Stephen Carr, USC transfer. Fry Fogle, I did not think they would shut them down. Like, they were dominant. And I thought they were easily the best Big Ten team last weekend. Now, I don't know if they play Ohio State. Uh, I was trying to figure that out. Robbie just disappeared on my screen. He probably knows. Um, but I don't think they play each other, correct? Yeah, they don't play Ohio State. So, yeah, I mean, that's a defense and run the ball in the Big Ten. You don't play Ohio State. I mean, that's a recipe to do very well in the Big Ten. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, trying to find the week one rankings again. Uh, the preseason rankings. Uh, number 20. Well, Coastal Carolina, I don't even know what they did. Ole Miss uh, won. Washington was around there. They lost yeah, to Montana. Washington. They lost to Montana. You're right. This is where you come into the crummy Pac-12 teams. Utah, they beat Southern Utah, or one of the two, ASU. One of them beat Southern Utah. So that's three out of five of crummy Pac-12 teams. And actually, those teams are good for, for the Pac-12. But, yeah, that's about it. I think we're missing Texas, Louisiana, 21 23. versus 23. That game was what we thought it would be. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say about Louisiana. I know Texas has talent. I know Sark can coach when Saban's the boss and he has 80 million stars on his team. But I don't know. I didn't watch it. Uh, Montana, that game. Uh, granted, that is a Division II superpower, Division One AA superpower. <laughs> but a top 20. This is... To me, Montana beating Washington is just a little bit under Happy State beating Michigan a few years ago. Uh, Michigan was in the top five, but this is a one double A team, but we're beating a ranked team. And Washington didn't have any, I mean, seven points. Uh, Coach Lake after the game said it was absolutely a horrible, it's uh, a horrible effort. Um, is there, is there, and I, you know, we kind of cap this. Who is going to win the Pac-12? Let's just put it there, Rod. You're our Pac-12 guy. We said before the season we were all over the place. You've seen one week. Do you have an opinion now? And Robbie, you're next. You get a piece of this bad right. football too. Uh, you know, one thing about Washington, Dylan Morris was supposed to be the next coming, and Lake is the next coming of coach and quarterback. I think the Heward kid's going to be 
uh, there in no time. But I mean, there's no excuses. The kid was terrible. Morris had three picks, uh, just a horrible QBR. What I'm getting at is that I thought the North would be the winner in the Pac-12. But the reason why I'm not necessarily going to say the South will be is that I think Washington and Oregon will have different quarterbacks in a few weeks. And we all know that come November, I think they're both going to be drastically different teams. That being said, I, I don't think – I mean, USC, Arizona State, Utah, UCLA, all were far better than anybody in the North. Cal lost to Nevada. You know, yeah, that – usually the North wins all the championships, but this year uh, I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Uh we got a few minutes till our guest comes on. I got a couple of exercises that I'd like to go through with Robbie. What's your opinion on the Pac-12? I, I jumped. I was said I was coming to you and then jumped away from you. What's your um, because the Pac-12 is the Pac-12. I, I think somehow Washington is going to find a way to rebound it and win it, and then there's going to have this loss to Montana that's going to keep them out of the playoff. That would be Pac-12 luck. That would be Pac-12 to a T. Could they get into the one double-A playoff, the FCS playoff? It's going to be a good game. Rematch. My big winners of the weekend, Georgia, USC, UCLA, Alabama, Virginia Tech. Robbie, who who impressed you this weekend? You know, a team that I expected to really struggle out the gate with a new coach, a ton of pressure, um, Texas. Texas impressed me by beating a really good Louisiana Lafayette team. Um, I think it's Louisiana Lafayette. That's, that's, that's it it the, is. That's you were school. mixing your drink when we got to it. So we, we oh, kind of. Oh, oh, yeah. So, we uh, didn't talk about it, but if you, because frankly, I didn't see it. So, uh, you've got a breakdown I mean, that would help that, us out. That was, that was two top 25 teams, and Texas won Sark with a good debut uh, of at a place where there's been some lackluster debuts lately. Um, so I think coming in there, winning that game um, is, a, is a really good showing. Um, they impressed me. Um, we've talked about Alabama. Just good God. Um, and then – I I so I, I flew out on Thursday night. I landed and watched the game on the way to Palms. The second half of the with the Vols game on, on on the way to um, Palm Springs. They were already ahead and it was comfortable. Um, but I liked what I saw. It's one week. It's against Bowling Green. Um, it's not going to make national one bit of a difference. Um, but as far as the region we live in. Um, I, I thought Heupel had a, had a good debut. Uh, I, I was going to get to Heupel in just a second. So Sorry. good point. No, you're you're at you're you're right on the money. Raj, who was your winners on the weekend? Bryce Young, even though it's Bama, I think he displayed. Good God, yes. Yeah, uh, like more of a natural ability than Tua than a lot of people. Doesn't have the hype. I, I thought he was amazing, and, and then. UCLA running game and UCLA rush defense. That was surprising. But again, we don't know how great uh, Washington is and, or sorry, LSU is in my opinion. And uh, Iowa 
I mean, Iowa just was like a brick wall. And I, I knew they were good defensively, but by the way, isn't that the best tradition in football uh, uh, of late? The, uh, the wave pregame wave yeah. to the children's hospital before. I mean, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, they thumped Indiana who was, you know, one spot ahead of them in the preseason. And that's a good offensive team. It, it, it was sad. So, uh, those are the three. Uh, real quick, we don't know. That, I mean, and this is going to be something that I'm fascinated about. Anyone make more money this weekend than Bryce Young? <laughs> this NIL, they're about to – it sponsorships are about to go through the roof. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how each week more and more money's going to get paid. Literally, Robbie, when we were watching the game, I went, Robbie's going to have a field day with NILs and Bryce Young on, on three R's this week. <laughs> well, the irony being is that Bryce Young was a USC commit who went to Alabama. And USC has been harping about, we're LA, we're Hollywood, we're this, we're that. Well, as Rob knows, California sucks. And they're not going to let these kids, you know, there, there are far too many naysayers. There are far too many restrictions. He goes to Bama and he's about to be you know, the college football, George Clooney. Yeah. He made yeah. bank this weekend and it doesn't bode well for USC, UCLA, but unlike the state of Alabama, the state of California could give a shit, which sucks for people like me. So my big losers and this will, I'll get to Tennessee after the big losers because I didn't want to talk Tennessee. We are based out of Chattanooga, North Carolina, big loser. LSU, Miami, Washington, and the MAC conference, a once proud conference, was everybody's beatdown boy this week, including Bowling Green, Kent State, Akron. It literally, I wrote an article for the Marion Messenger. Uh, yeah, Geoff, we've already talked Georgia Clemson. Sorry you're a little late on that one. Um, I wrote an article for the Marion Messenger this week. Yes, I wrote it and spelled most of the words right. And I described this weekend as week one is the Mac gets paid and gets 40 hung on them. Uh, it, it is was horrible. How about you, uh, Robbie? Who was your losers of the week? Um, you know, the big boys, really. They're the uh, Washington horrible, horrible start. Um, a place where I spent a year in school, Indiana, like, man, your most anticipated season uh, that definitely in my lifetime, maybe maybe one of when Randall L was there, but this was up there. And we're going to have to get a break, breakdown of all the schools your Raj and I attended at one point. <laughs> That's I was thinking where he's like, I spent a year there. I'm like, uh. Did not spend a year. Let's start with yeah. there. I, yeah. I literally think we've got half of the United States covered. Go ahead, Robert. Um, uh, UNC, uh, they laid an egg and um, can't get over. I think the biggest loser of the weekend was Clemson, a team that is they cannot make a mistake. They can't have a COVID crisis, anything like that. I mean, they've got to be on pins and needles. Hope their conference gets better. Um, yeah, and, I, yeah. I, I see no way an ACC team makes the playoffs. I really, 
After one week, I think the ACC's out. Uh, uh, Raj, losers for you. Uh, California quarterbacks not named Bryce. Iowa State, even though they won. Sam Powell. And I'll throw Slovis in there, too. That guy has not looked impressive. Um, USC offensive line is retooling, but that guy held on to the ball for far too long. And, uh, yeah, you got to go with Coach O, if you ask me. That guy is uh, definitely on his way out the door. GL's first team was LSU, and I think that's that's very true. Now, locally, we are based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, one thing, the mocks, the mocks came into the year ranked number one in the Southern Conference and gets beat by not a very good Austin P team. And I really think it took some some sales out of the local media and the, the hype surrounding the mocks. We all live in Chattanooga. You've seen all the billboards around town. Chattanooga in the top 25, number one in the Southern Conference. Then to get beat handily by Austin P, kind of a shocker. Does that change your perception of the UTC team, Robbie? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a bad, bad play. Um, opening game with some buzz. And for people, uh, Randall, you can probably explain it better, but the relationship that Chattanooga has with Finley Stadium, which is not owned by the university, and to look, to have all the excitement go out on week one um, is a is, is not a good look. Yeah, that's that's a private business down there, and you got to think if that football team. So for the folks that don't see us that don't live in the area. UTC has a beautiful 20,000 seat uh, stadium. Uh, very nice one double A stadium. It, it could be nicer. It used to host the, the uh, national championship game. Yep. And then we ho- it hosts the uh, high school uh, championship game. Term- now, championship yes. Now, yes. yes. Starting this year, uh, nice field, turf field, a very expensive facility. Uh, it struggles to put, 5,000 on a football Saturday in it. Um, someone at a UTC alum, and I graduated from one of my five schools is UTC. My degree actually came from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Um, they said uh, at a alumni group meeting one time, we have the same 4,000 people here and no new faces. This was a chance for them to get new faces into the crowd and, and to lay an egg uh, Raj, I know you're an outsider. Have you ever been to a UTC game? I have, and actually uh, a couple of my buddies from out west came out when uh, Finley hosted the national championship game, and they had a blast. Granted, uh, that time, I think it may have been Appy State and maybe even Montana. It was freezing that day. Good God, the Montana fans were fun. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. Um, You know, it reminds me of USC basketball, and as someone that supports USC basketball – I feel powerless and frustrated in that if they don't win that first game or that big game, whatnot, I just I know that half the fan base will be like, see, I told you so, and they're not going to show up. And I feel the same way for the mocks. So when that place has a crowd, it's fun, you know. Uh, it is. You get beers in there, you know. It's, it's, it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, downtown's right there. Ironic that in the south – Chattanooga's become more of a soccer town than anything else, aside from UT. 
But yeah, I find myself pulling for them because if they don't win, I I feel bad if that makes sense. Like uh, I feel like they're going to be behind the eight ball and they can't catch up. Like I said, just like other football dominant schools. I, I mean, they're not a football dominant school, but uh, well, regardless, it's it's just unfortunate because they really, really could do well with a beautiful campus and stadium. And, and shout out to uh, Miss Lily and uh, from Montana when they were down to uh, win their national championship. Still fond memories of you, Miss Lily. Uh, you to find oh, three yard. Hey, Randall. They, uh, they played. They played in Knoxville one year, and they were they 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 came out in droves, and they sold out the- their ticket allotment. Oh, they yeah. were they had a great time in Knoxville. I remember I remember them. Um, they 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 partied. The girl I got a buddy, her, by the way. Oh, sorry, I go ahead. Really did make friends, and I still talk to her on Facebook. She'll probably see the show. Somehow, I met a girl from Bozeman. She came back to the UT game, and we we talked to each. We went to dinner that night after all those years. They they literally leave her alone. Love Montana football the way we love Tennessee football or USC football. Randall, you 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 could have shortened that sentence to. Somehow I met a girl. Somehow I met a girl from Bozeman. Hey, uh, real quick, I had a, not to name drop too much, but a kid I grew up with, Mark Albert was like the best athlete ever. Big stocky kid, but he was like short. He was like like five, seven. And um, just a guy that made like 38 tackles, like the dude in, uh, what game was that? Where It was the Montana game, where like the linebacker had 30 tackles. Uh, yeah. That was him, and he went to Montana to play football. Went to Los Alamitos, Division One Power. Uh, I was at Huntington Beach. Should have gone to Los Al. They helped shut down Tony Gonzalez. He goes to Montana. I don't think he ever had 30 tackles, but part of me thought it was perfect. Like, just these gritty, bearded before it was cool. No offense, Randall. Uh, you know, just dudes that you just don't want to get hit by. And, and that was Montana, and – if any team in the Pac-12 wouldn't kind of fit that bill, I hope it would be Washington. Man, they didn't want to get hit by Montana, and it was pretty sad. So the biggest winner of the weekend at G-Off was Kendall Milton, and I'm not even sure who that is. Is that Joe Milton's twin brother? I don't know. Also, oh, no, he means uh, – what's his name? at uh, The Florida State quarterback, Mackenzie Milton, maybe? Might be. Uh, Charlotte with Chattanooga native Will Healy gets a win over a one double, uh, a Division One team. So shout out to Will Healy. But we've got a guest, Troy Bryant, coming on at uh, quarterback of Florida State. Yeah, okay. We've got a guest coming on at nine fifteen, and I want or ten fifteen. I want to quickly talk about UT. Uh, did you see the game, Raj and Robbie? I did. Allow me to go first because I'm not nearly as thorough as both of you. I was always under the impression that, you know, I know they got great transfers. They lost a lot. But if Joe Milton, who I saw at Michigan, couldn't hack it in the Big Ten, how the heck is he going to hack it in the SEC? And he was exactly what I thought he would be. I mean, he's like a 5-4 run first quarterback. And he's if he's – quarterback all year which i don't think he will be but you know there's no way he could be in the sec they'll they'll never win a game let me let me throw a couple of facts out and then we'll we'll go a little deeper with rod 
I mean, with Robbie. Tennessee has 62 scholarship players right now. UTC dressed 70 scholarship players this weekend. Uh, they are 23 below or 22 below what they should have. I agree with Milton. A lot of people were critical of him. Um, but here's the first question I have. Wasn't the quarterback play better with Milton than it was less with Garantano? By the way, he played horrible in Washington State's loss. So let's talk up there. Milton versus 2020 quarterback, better or worse? Oh, I mean, I would venture to say we could have played better than Garantano. I mean, he just – there was no threat to him with him at all. And uh, I don't know if that some of that was by design with Pruitt being super conservative um, with his play calling and his game philosophy. Um, but like you said, he looked he didn't look great at Washington State. Um, I mean, I like the kid. He stuck it out at Tennessee as long as he possibly could. Um I think Milton just gives a dynamic. I don't know if he makes it through the whole season, whether it's play or injury. He don't or, live through the season if he stays yeah. that right now. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. I, I will, uh, Like I said, I was in the air and then um, traveling today for work again. So I, I haven't seen the entire game, so I haven't seen the first half, you know, kind of the first 15 scripted plays, how he looked then. Whenever yeah. I got – Whenever I landed and finally got it on my phone, um, it was mostly just, hey, we, we, we're better than this team and, you know, we can just run the ball. Um, so I don't know exactly how the quarterback play. I want to go back and rewatch the game and kind of break it down. Um, but I thought it was going to be a closer game than it was. Um, I, I, I was worried coming in. Um, Worried about Bowling Green, but that's what I was going to say. Real quick, my producer slash bartender's calling me. But the game was never in doubt. They moved the football. The defense looked good. Usually they struggle with UConn or whoever the heck they're playing early. I mean, you guys have this – you guys, you people. I'm brown. I can say that. But Tennessee fans have this, like, perception that they're going to have Peyton or Danny Werfel or somebody back there. Um, no, he's not going to be that. And they're going to get better. They didn't show a lot. The game was never in doubt. I mean, I, no offense, I, guys, I would, who do you who do you think you are, dude? Are you no, Alabama or uh, 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 yeah? I'm coming. My producer needs me. One second. I'll be right back. And Randall, I'll take your uh, your opinion off. Well, one as a UT fan, we worry about every game because yes. we have lived through the like. Remember, hey, no we, we remember Alabama more than Tennessee, even though we suck now. All right, yeah, now remember we we lost to Georgia State at home, not too many years removed from now. So yes, I did not take Bowling Green for granted. Did you? Um, big week this week for the balls, Robbie. Have you? I'm still of the ilk, and it's because the SEC East is so bad. I still think if we win this weekend, we end up being bowl eligible. Now, whether we take the ball or not, we might take it as a penalty. But I still think if you get by Pitt this weekend, Vandy and South Carolina are wins for sure. And then you just hope to upset somebody. But it's got to be either Pitt or um, – Yeah, no, Pitt my- would be about it. 
my outlook at after one week and uh hate to be flip flopping on I do think we get to six wins now. Um I think I think this game this weekend is really, really big for the fan base and the excitement. Yeah. We, we and I and it seems silly to be like, oh, it's one game with one head coach. But we've been with new coaches for the last three, you know, it's just a three-year, four-year cycle. And so it is important. And if he, while Pitt's not a juggernaut, it is a big name. They're honoring Johnny Majors, um, who coached at Tennessee, if people don't know, and um, who coached at Pitt and uh, Tennessee. And so it's a big weekend um i wish i could go i cannot um but i'm going I'm you are my I, daughter at home but i am going i have drawn uh, the line at pit this is this is this is my first venture to a football game in two years um but yeah so i mean i, I think tennessee's a three and a half underdog at yes. home which means that as people know that it means that vegas thinks they're almost a touchdown uh worse than pittsburgh um, I liked our pace of play, our being Tennessee. Um, I, I'm i not going to – I guess this is our only time to pick the game. I was starting to think we're on every day. Um, I think Tennessee does win this weekend. I, I, They're I underdog to pit at home. When yeah, was the last time an SEC team early was underdog to what, – what are they in the ACC? I don't even know. Where's, where's pit at? Their predictions go to a bowl game is more. Yeah, they're the ACC. Oh, congratulations! I don't know. I I do not know which conference of the ACC they're in, but they are in the ACC. When's the last time Tennessee won a game outside the SEC among a Power Five school? I I can't remember it. I guess Indiana in the bowl game. Yeah, bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Good game. All right. Last question. Then we're going to bring our guest on. Would you rather have, and Roger, going to have to pull off your Pac-10 rose-colored glasses now. Tomorrow, you go back and rewrite history. You're Tennessee. Do you want Scott Frost or Josh Heifel? Is there a C option or D? You um, got to pick. We get. We're going to get one know, of the Central Florida coaches. We hired Danny White. We tried to get John, we tried to get Scott Frost back when we hired through it. Had no luck because he took the Nebraska job. He was the leading candidate I mean, for the Tennessee job until he took the Nebraska job. If Didn't that get guy John can't Heifel even get players default. Uh, everyone I mean, has criticized Happel and said it was a Scott Frost organized team. Scott Frost is about to get fired at Nebraska after losing to Illinois. Yeah. Frost going to Nebraska, not quite Peyton going to Tennessee, but that's what they were begging for and clamoring for for years. Uh, you know, I, I think people are – well, Nebraska's Nebraska. It's in Omaha, the middle of the country, or near Omaha. Uh, it's going to be – it's increasingly difficult this day and age to win in a place like that. Being Probably. said, I don't think Tennessee really wants either. Um. Yeah, I mean, we probably wanted you freeze, but you can't hire him with all the baggage today. Yeah, do you take Scott Frost over Josh Heupel? Um, I mean, right now, 
I don't think so. But I'm kind of with Ron. I think Nebraska's an impossible job right now. I mean, I, but I guess if you can win in, at Iowa State, you can win at Nebraska. I've never, I've never been to Ames. I've never been to Lincoln. Uh, I imagine they're somewhat similar as far as I wouldn't want to spend four years there. But I also went to Bloomington for a year and then realized I didn't want to spend four years there. And, and I've been to Norman. It's a crap hole, and they seem to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Iowa State's not going to win next year either. When everybody graduates, it's like in every four-year program. Yeah. All right, Rog, tell us a little bit about uh, Robbie. Did you ever make a pick? Um, I mean, because of because of what Frost is accused of doing, um, I guess I will go high for. Can you blame Frost though? No. Those are high-powered pressure jobs. But with that kind of pay comes, you got to at least don't be reckless following the rules. Yeah. They're not following the rules. See you, Jeremy Pruitt. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about our guest uh, that's coming on? Yeah, our guest is Troy Bryant. I call him Roy for multiple reasons. Uh, Not only because I'm lazy, but – Troy is a borderline savant when it comes to research and loving fantasy football, especially PPR. And I don't, I'll reach out to him. I don't reach out to very many people because I'm that arrogant, but I'll reach out to him when there are, you know, not the obvious questions, but, you know, something way down the line. And I you think gave he me does, his phone number, so yeah, I'm keeping it. Yeah, man. He does. Amp- hey, wait. No, hey. He, he does ample research, let's put it that way. And he's a, a UT law school grad. So, uh, but even though I, he's a Georgia fan in football. But um, yeah, just research is his uh, nerdy forte, if you will. And right. uh, he knows his stuff. All right, Rand, Rand, Randall has more lawyers on this show than uh, a damn conference at Miller Martin. Yeah. All right, well, here he comes, and he'll be straight on the air. Roy, are you there? Hold on, it's ringing. Oh. I feel like sometimes I feel like it's this ought to be called the Law School Express. Um, there you go. He's on, Rog. Roy, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? We can. You are live to 11 people, actually. 41,000 people last month. Um, nice. So I gave you a, a pretty uh, sweet introduction. He did yes, I embellished. He's a Georgia fan, and then everybody quit liking you at that point. But go ahead. <laughs> but I did, I did say you're a UT law grad, but yeah, naturally I embellished. But what I did say was that, you know, I'm not going to ask you the conventional questions that I can find online. You love deep research. You're a biggie that way. And uh, – with all due respect. Uh, but that's where I wanted to start with what I call three cues with Roy. Uh, and these are extended questions, sort of like uh, Rodney Dangerfield and back to school, if anybody remembers that oral examination at the end, which is a great movie. Um, 47. Heck yeah. <laughs> so my first question would be, and again, we all know who the top 
10 players are at quarterback. We know who the top 30 are, really. Uh, in, in some of our deeper leagues, you know, in our league, that's a 12-team league in 17 rounds. I mean, you're going bottom of the barrel. Again, I think somebody drafted Michael Vick this year. But who would you say is a practical – it was Robbie. Who is a practical deep sleeper, would you say, at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end? One name that's a deep sleeper, not just sleeper that you see like Matthew Berry. Deep sleeper for each and why. And really hit on the deep sleeper at running back as someone who didn't draft any running backs. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Troy, we have one member of Damn this it. cast, we will not mention his name, that failed to draft a running back for the first eight rounds. He knows who he, 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 knows might, who he, he is, confuse, regardless. He might confuse two or three when you get to the running back. So okay. go ahead. Floor is yours. <laughs> okay, I can, I can deliver on that. Um, so at quarterback – uh, I think these two guys kind of fall into the same camp. They're both rookies and they're both super talented. I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance, honestly, to the point that if you're not leaving your draft with at least one of them, I think you maybe misplayed a little bit. And that we look back at Mahomes' second season, who's been drafted, you know, pretty late. Lamar Jackson's rookie season drafted late. I think these two guys are going to be really good they're not going to start right away but i think they have potential to potentially win leagues with their running ability with their throwing ability um san francisco's a more friendly offense for trey lance and he maybe has a little harder time beating out garoppolo but everything i've heard about lance is he's just killing it in camp and even if you're set at quarterback if you get someone early just the trade chip of how they can help round your roster out later season. Uh, I think Fields and Lance are just really, really valuable this year. Um, running back, one, I only added this one in because it's surprising to me that ESPN dropped, after Sony Michelle was traded for, dropped Daryl Henderson to like the 86 overall player, and they have Sony Michelle right behind him at 87. I mean, I didn't get Georgia that. Player, putting my, you know, homerism aside for Sony Michelle, he's been injured every year he's been in the league. He adds nothing in the passing game. Uh, and Daryl Henderson, you know, outside of Cam Akers, kind of, you know, just went on a tear at the end of last season. Henderson was kind of outplaying him. So the fact Very that the just kind of threw their hands up and was like, I, I don't know, rank them together. They're back to back. I think it's just absurd. So <laughs> Daryl Henderson, I think, easily could be a top 24 running back this season. No problem. Um, another one would be Tyson Williams, the Ravens backup running back. So with Dobbins going down, uh, that elevated Gus Edwards. And then they had Williams kind of as the backup and they had Justice Hill player they drafted a couple of years ago well he went down i think yesterday with an achilles tear um so there are two running backs in that system right now they uh, just signed levy on bell but i think they just signed him strictly to the practice squad so i, I really think tyson <laughs> williams too is going either really late or undrafted entirely to kind of take over that side note role from last season well side note What's shout that? out to our boy uh, Clay, who 
drafted Dobbins and then found out about the Achilles uh, after drafting him in like the fourth or fifth round. So yeah, we, we really was drafting when he tore his when, he, when it happened. He's the lucky winner. But wide receiver and tight end. Before he I goes home. Before he goes home. Do you not feel like if somebody really screwed up their draft at quarterback and forgot to back to actually draft a backup quarterback that's going to play? It feels and Lance are gone. What do you think of the other quarterbacks in uh, Lawrence and Matt Jones? I think with uh, Mac Jones, with Cam Newton, Newton getting released, I I think that's a good sign. I I hate to say it, but I trust Belichick knows what he's doing. Um, and I, I don't think Jones would be bad at all. I think he'd be kind of a similar stash that I wouldn't draft him as my number one or anything. But, you know, you never know. It seems like quarterbacks are more ready than ever coming into uh, the league. We saw Justin Herbert just set it on fire as a rookie last year. And, you know, who knows? People were saying he was probably the rawest of the group last year, and he seemed most pro-ready. Lawrence, I think, is a good, really good pick if you wait late. Ideally, I wouldn't want to start him, but I'm not going to lose sleep if he's my QB1, honestly. Um, I think he has pretty decent running ability, and, I mean, we saw what he did at Clemson. Um, I I don't think Lawrence would be bad at all to have as your QB1. Okay, he better have decent running ability because he's going to be running for his life, right? Uh, hey, uh, wide receiver tight end. And I want deep, Roy. I know you know your top 38 dudes, but I want deep, like off the off the charts. People don't know about him. Actually, I don't because these two nerds are going to be listening to everything you say. I'm he's my wife's cousin, you son of a goat. I'm uh, right no. He is right, Robbie's if he says something that I like, I'm making the move as we speak. <laughs> All right, Roy. I do want deep. Not something that everybody knows. We don't need validation. You obviously know your stuff. But somebody like, wow, Roy was right about that guy. Wide receiver, tight end. So for wide receiver, he is being drafted, but I think he's being drafted too late, is Russell Gage for the Falcons. Um in that he's pretty much their set wide receiver too, unless Pitts does some really incredible and impressive stuff, uh, being um, blind out outside of the tight end position and out wide. Um, I think Gage had over 700 yards, uh, added some touchdowns, but what was more important was his catches. Um, he was getting a lot of targets in the full PPR. He's that kind of player you can draft, you know, in round 11, round 12, and they kind of pencil him in for, you know, 60 yards, five, six catches every single week. And that's not going to win you your league, but sometimes, you know, just that stability and that reliable floor is what you need in players. But kind of a similar mold is Amon Ra St. Brown for the Lions. Son um, of a bitch. The, uh, Lions have absolutely nobody to catch the ball. I mean, you know, Raj could probably start his wide receiver for them this season if they really needed it. Well, let's not let's not go too I, far. Off. I think I'm in too good of shape. I've aside from Amon Ra. So. <laughs> That's true. I've been, I've been it's not back surgery, so I've lost the stuff. It, it's but, not good. Um, it's not good. He's he's your 
I seem kind of typical short yardage slot guy, 5'11". And I think the big thing there is just volume. There aren't other guys who can catch the ball. But more importantly, with their quarterback now being Jared Goff, who is, I think, the epitome quarterback of just targeting the slot receiver six yards downfield, I think he's just going to go crazy. He's going to have a lot of volume. He could honestly be a number one wide receiver uh, for that team. And I think I got him uh, last week in our draft, like round 14 or something. So he is you know, The irony, Roy, is that I love the guy. His whole family's NFL players. His dad's a monster, like has his own protein company. Before NILs, he wore a T-shirt of his dad's like protein company. And uh, th- there were a lot of logistics involved. And uh, I can't remember how come he didn't get in trouble, but he didn't. But yeah, I mean, in Detroit, what do you have? Tyrell Williams. Uh, what's the other dude's name? Um, Stephis, like Quintez Stephis or yeah, something. Yeah, Quintez Cephas or Step, whatever, I can't remember. No disrespect to any of them. But Tyrell Williams is, is made out of glass. Hawkinson is the only other guy. And, and Goff loves, like you said, throwing the easy throw, you know, the easy route. And, and no offense to Georgia Nation, but Andre Swift is made out of glass as well. Uh, which brings me to tight end. Quickly, tight end. So tight end, I would go with Adam Troutman for the Saints. Um, I think the tight end position this year is just a disaster. If you don't get one of the big three and Kelsey Kittle-Waller, in my opinion, you should just wait. And I think Troutman is one of those who was a third-round pick by the Saints, uh, I believe, last year and the year before. And this is just one where it's volume. I mean, it's just outside of those three guys, you just want someone who you know is going to get thrown the ball a ton. And with Michael Thomas being out, I think Troutman will – get volume, whether that will end up being you know touchdowns and a bunch of yards, I have no idea, but I think he's going to catch a lot of balls. And with Jameis Winston, who has a history of targeting, you know, kind of making more anonymous tight ends fantasy relevant, like O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid. Um, he, Winston, at least to start the season, will be the Saints starting quarterback, so I think that adds to uh, Troutman's potential to at least finish as a serviceable tight end. I think he's injured to start. He may or may not be ready week one, but all that means is probably nobody drafted him because of that. So he is almost certainly available. No, I agree. And congruently, we're about to find out how effective Jared Cook is because that's a very tight and convenient offense. And uh, a lot of that's because Kamara and a lot of that's because their quarterbacks aren't that awesome. Uh, Two quick questions. Number one, and I'm going to skip a little bit. Who is the guy that everyone's going to add after week one and freak out over and uh, only to drop that person three weeks later? I think probably a good one is Damian Williams for the Bears, the running back. Um, I think he is a serviceable running back. He seems like a good player that just hasn't gotten an opportunity. But Tariq Cohen is still on the pup list. And, it, Randall. Uh, What's up? Uh, I'm trying to get I said, Bobby to write down this name. I said, beat it, Randall. He's like writing down everything you say. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, that was kind of my uh, other question, though, was was that, you know, I don't want to wish someone be hurt, but, you know, someone's going to get hurt. Last year was Barkley, and I had him in one league. This year, you know, 
I was going to ask, I, again, that's why I moved questions because I didn't want to ask who do you think would get hurt. But I mean, the two questions are, are go hand in hand and, and you answered it very well. Um, but I'm sorry, please continue on Williams. Um, Williams? With Cohen still on the pup list, he should come back in the first two or three weeks of the season. Um, Nagy has talked about wanting to limit David Montgomery's carries. I, I think he had like 71% of the backfield share last year, which is just absurd, especially when committees are more and more popular. So I think Williams is going to be that guy kind of by default to help take the weight off of his shoulders. Um, but I feel like the only thing here is that he's a decent player. He's fine. But his only kind of check mark is that he's going to have potential volume. And as soon as Cohen comes back, I, I think his role kind of disappears and he goes back to number three on the depth chart. Um, so I, I, I think Williams will get added a bunch and then get dropped. And um, Honestly, I think... He won't be added because he's already on teams, but I think Melvin Gordon will be closer to like a week seven or eight drop. I think Melvin Gordon's value is as high as it is going to be at this point because Javante Williams was drafted. He was supposed to be the backup. Then he supposedly killed it in camp. Now he is probably the 1A running back, if not the outright starter. So I think the further and further we get into the season, Melvin Gordon is going to – he'll have his backup role, but I think he is just going to fall off the face of the earth. I think Javante Williams is the real deal. And anybody that, say, drafted Javante Williams in like the sixth round probably looks like a genius right now to most people, correct? Sixth round, that's kind of early. I think really? I mean, Williams was on my short list. I had a buddy – uh, more excited about him than me, apparently, and I think kind of reached and got him in round four. But oh yeah, I think Williams is, is going to be a good pick. You may have to wait a week or two, but I think he is going to get the uh, the massive amount of that backfield. He uh, is he is my number so, one sleeper. So last statement, last question, last statement. It kind of says a lot about Philip Lindsay, who is a Colorado guy who we all saw live with his parents. They let him go. Can't pay him that much. And now he's in Houston. So I think Williams is definitely going to be the guy that they have the most faith in. Final question. You and I feel the same way about generic, lame-ass team names that are based upon uh, you know, player names and whatnot. Uh, you know, our, our buddy Chris was like last year was Cobra Kyler. And this year he's extremely inventive with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, what is exactly? What is the lamest, most generic player-based fantasy football team name that you have seen this year? Probably the one I've seen is Smile for the Camara. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just uh, – done. Uh, that, that, that's it. Know, co-host Robbie Davis has a question. Yeah, so um, – so Tyrod Taylor being named the starter in Houston, they're going to be a horrible team, not a lot of weapons, but playing from behind all year long, almost certain to be drafting a quarterback next year. Um, is he a, is he a guy to get on your roster to hope for that those last season by kind of just matchups where he's throwing the ball late, almost like a Kirk Cousin type? Um. I think he's going to be a little lower than kind of your Kirk Cousins type. I mean, he does have, 
you know, that running ability potentially. But I honestly think Houston is going to just be in such a rough spot. I agree with you, they're going to play from behind. But I know Tyrod Taylor, going back to his, you know, Buffalo days, was not known for his arm, really. He would take care of the football. He's not going to lose you points and interceptions. He may scramble for 40 yards and a touchdown here and there on good weeks. But generally, he's your, you know, 17 completions, 22 attempts, 180 yards kind of guy. And even though they will be behind a lot, I just don't know that you can make Tyron Taylor something he's not to a gunslinger. It could prove me wrong. They still have Brandon Cooks there. Um, but uh, I just I don't know about that one. He might be worth streaming on, you know, bye weeks or whatever. But um, he's not someone I would probably use a roster spot on. When's the last time he finished a season? Like, Well, last year he got uh, – if it wasn't for uh, – a needle to the lung, he would have started ahead of Huber in San Diego or in L.A. So, yeah, it's it's somehow this guy must be the greatest preseason quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, coaches see him and see safety. Uh, I don't think – because with the Chargers, you know, Herbert just coming straight out of the draft and everyone saying, oh, he's raw, he's got the skills, he never put it together at Oregon, he'll be good in two years. You know, then you sign Tyrod Taylor in the offseason, and he's the definition of a safe quarterback. He's not going to win you the game, but you're never going to lose the game because of Tyrod Taylor. So I, I think I would think coaches are attracted to kind of his just safety and seems like a you know locker room guy who you can kind of rely on. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I think he's he's the one of the best at intangibles. I guess we'll put it that way. <laughs> The other question, uh, do you want to come back on sometime? We got a bunch of shows no. on this network. We'll have you on. Even if we even if we run Raj off, I think we're Robbie and I'll take you sometime. That's what I was afraid of. I'd love to. This is great. I I only have one league and I did just a stupid amount of research this season, so I'm I'm happy to share that with someone instead of just storing it and not using it for anything. Well I'll, I'll, I'll be fantasy. I'll be asking you about I running back. I think I've, I've considered, but just have not made the plunge yet. Go, Robbie, go ahead. I say I'll be bugging you about r- running backs every single week about who to pick up, who to plug in here, and who to play when. We've got a uh, we've got several shows on the network. Some of them, uh, this is uh, of course Roger, Robbie, and I are just a general sports, but we've got a couple of shows starting that's. Uh, more NFL fantasy, daily fantasy starting in uh, – well, I'm sure I'm going to keep your number and we'll get you back on. And Roger's giving me the disapproval look like, oh, my God, I'm great at a start. I think he's got my weapon, but Roy would be a great DFS nerd. Um, yes, you would, Roy. And I, I say that out of admiration and respect that, that you know, your kind of research and whatnot uh, you can make some serious coin and uh, – you can make us some serious coin as well. So, uh, uh, look, I'm the only non-lawyer, so I'm the poorest member of this conversation. <laughs> so, but yeah, I really enjoyed having you on. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you, and I'll, I'll text you my contact information offline. And uh, and Rog is going to lose his private information source. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll text you more. And uh, yeah, my name's Randall. <laughs> Robbie and Raj, and welcome to 3R Sports.
Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, anytime you need, you know, fantasy plug or advice, just hit me up. I'm, I'm always available. Uh, you know, uh, I think that daily fantasy would be uh, a, a great avenue for you to make a, a big impact. So, uh, give it a rest, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Troy, we appreciate your time, buddy. And I will text you later. Thank you. That sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rog, great guest. Great. Thanks for hooking us up with him. I knew that was a mistake. For Aubrey, did you try any notes down? I got everything he said. <laughs> He's a very – he was cut out to do this if we didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, that, that, was, that, that, was, that was great. He, he handled every question and – Didn't run. Hell, I've never heard of any of these guys, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to the NFL now with the three R sports here. And we will have Troy back. Um, we wrapped up college football in the next 30 30- – minutes let's get through pro football and um i guess three hour sports becomes a two-hour edition during football season but uh uh, one o'clock real fast a buffalo wild wings at the end of the month we've still got some debate with getting some availability looks like it may be the 21st but we will finalize that over the next week and uh, we're very excited to have this opportunity to come to you live from buffalo wild wings where I'm personally going to eat probably 30, 35 wings. Um, so I may go 50. If I go 50. What's the over-under? Well, I think I'm setting over-under at 35. I, I think for our first show, you should do the Blazing Challenge. Hell yeah. No. <laughs> I've tried that before. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be broadcasting from the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I was Okay. I, it's when they had the ghost pepper, which is even harder than the blazing. I got I got six down. It was it was it was not fun. I can't handle spicy. So I had a boy that used to get that for his meal. Like I, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, ranch, blue cheese, the, neither. The like me- that, like just go to. I'm like, wow. The medium makes me sweat. No, I, I this weekend I had the mango habanero in the hot, so it it I didn't go to blazing, but so this weekend not not sponsored by Buffalo Wild Wings, but should be, and I guess we're on a test run with them this next week or two. Uh, Thursday night football live from Buffalo Wild Wings, the Dallas Cowboy, America's team, plays defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the storyline, so we'll go through the game, and I'm going to give you what my storyline is. You either comment on my storyline or give me an alternative storyline. My storyline is Dak Prescott coming back off of a horrible injury when he was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. Dak was on pace to be a league-winning quarterback last year. Can he play to that level? Robbie. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he started off great. Um, I think he had a time to kind of sit back, study more, uh, watch the game, almost like a second rookie year kind of, kind of thing, watch the game more. Um, I think that's the, that's a major storyline. Obviously you've got the Super Bowl champs coming back. Um, Hanging about. How, does, how does Brady look? Um, he recently disclosed that he, 
got COVID after the Super Bowl parade. Is there any effects of that? Um, it, you know, uh, what, what do they look like? I mean, how, how, how they're an older team, but I mean, still, man, they, they're, they're, they're dangerous. And so, uh, an excellent matchup week one or uh, right off the gate. I mean, I mean, that's going to draw huge numbers. At the end of this segment, we're all going to pick this game. Or at the end of this, so when we we'll go through discuss it, then we'll each throw a pick, regardless of the line. We're not playing line here. Raj, your thought? Uh, number one Super Bowl hangover. What does Tampa have to play for? It's eighty-five degrees. They're better than everybody else right now. The defense. Is going to be sitting on their butt. Brady doesn't care. I mean, when's the last time Brady came out week one and was like, oh, I can't wait to prove myself. Uh, you know, the other thing, though, about Dak is that if you look at his games early last year, you know, he had some pretty crap defenses aside from the Rams and I think week one. He had the Falcons, no offense. Uh, the Seahawks, okay, terrible secondary. Ah, dude, the Raiders are trash. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't take offense by it. Uh, the New York Giants and uh, the Browns were certainly not the Browns. And I'm not even sure. I can't remember which game he got hurt in. But all that being said, you know, I'm taking the Cowboys. I, I think the road team's going to show up. I think Tampa doesn't care. And uh, I, I believe in the Super Bowl hangover, championship hangover, really, regardless of the sport. Robbie Davis, who's your pick? Oh, give. I I get the championship hangover, but. This is Tom F. and Brady we're talking about. He's not going to let that happen. He, he's got a group that he showed them how to win last year. They bought into his intensity. Um, they're going to be ready. I like the home team to win again. I do think it's close, though, but give me Brady with the ball towards the end. I'll take him. Well, so- Dallas is catching eight. You're right, Rob. I think uh, Brady has a 14-4 and four record in week one in his 18-year career. Now, most of that was in New England, obviously. But Dallas catching eight, does that does that change uh, your opinion? Oh, like this, like who I would bet on? Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. Dallas will win, but. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought, I thought Randall said regardless of spread. Regardless of spread, just the outlock oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. I would I take, I would yeah, definitely lay the points. Like, I think it's going to be close and Tampa wins late, but yes, I would take the points, but I think Tampa wins. So I am a DFS nerd, and on Thursday night, FanDuel has a million-dollar single-game slate up. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you part of my lineup. How can you not play Antonio Brown for eighty-five hundred dollars? I think he has as big much. I think he has as much share in that offense as Goodwin and Evans going into the year. I think it's a three-pronged tact. I think the tight end suffers and this becomes a three wide receiver set so nowhere near the price of good one godwin and edwins like antonio brown at 8500 give me the bucks also i'll go ahead give me the bucks plus if i'm going to gamble the over what's the over i think it's right under 50 i'm don't remember i just think i think it shoots out 51 and a half how much? 51 and a half. Yep. So okay. the early stages of the NFL, I think it's something psychological about watching college football and how much they score 
versus how quickly the NFL games go compared to college. So I usually get like, oh, these over-unders are so low in, in NFL. But it's like, man, the, the, the timing of the NFL games, it, if anyone's got anything down to a T, it is how long the NFL games and the 1 o'clock games start and then the 4 o'clock games start, and they rarely run over. Yeah, national Side note, what is it, like 14 minutes of actual action in the NFL? Yeah. I wonder why everybody gets wasted and starts fights on the stands. Second game, uh, and we can be shorter on some of these, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons. I think the storyline is Arthur Miller in his first game as a head coach. Raj, we'll start with you on this one. No offense, dudes. I don't really care. Uh, I agree with you. Um, you know, Atlanta's defense is still Atlanta's defense. I feel like Philly can do enough to win this game. I'll take them uh, catching three points, even though it's in Atlanta. Rob? Um, Storyline for me, uh, does Jalen Hurts live up to the billing of him being a top 10 fantasy quarterback against a horrible defense? He better. or it's all, Is it's he top 10, to- though? He was Maybe that's why you drafted him. I don't think he's top 10. but I didn't draft him. He was a against top Nine or ten. Yeah. Every. Not um, in my book, but against the Falcons, sure. I, uh, Sorry, I'm going to go with my DFS tip on this game is I do think it shoots out. I think there's a big number, and there's a bunch of cheap wide receivers. But when's the last time the Falcons stopped a running back? 2017? Last against opposing running backs in 2020. Uh, I like I like the Eagles to win this game. I do too. Uh, Buffalo host the Pittsburgh Steelers. The storyline to me is 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, get it done one more time. Or another one, the rebuilt Steelers offensive line. Either way, I'll go first with this one. I think the Bills are probably the closest to the Chiefs in the AFC. If somebody's going to push the Chiefs, I think it's the Bills. And I think they handle the Steelers. Um, I think it's, yeah, expectations, expectations, expectations. How does Josh Allen lead these bills when you're supposed to win? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I agree pick? entirely. Sorry. I, I, I think Buffalo gets done. I, I don't know if I trust the old Ben Roethlisberger. It's almost a touchdown spread, though. Yeah, um, I don't like the game to bet. take him. I mean, uh, touchdown. That's a lot of points in the NFL. Um, I'm points. scared of this game NFL. from a DFS stance. And yeah, from I, I, I'd take I'd take the points. So I agree because I think Buffalo would win, and I've learned in the NFL, like whatever my inclination is to do the opposite. But uh, I 100% as well. Like uh, I got Josh Allen last year in a lot of leagues around round eight or nine. He, he Wyoming guy that surprised everyone. This year, no surprises. And, you know, a savvy guy, even though I'm not a big fan of, I'm going to say, any nicknames that I have for men uh, that aren't flattering, he, you know, he can do enough to keep him within a touchdown. And uh, the over on that game is 48 and a half. Uh, I'm just going to take the Steelers because I think the, the public's going to bet up Buffalo uh, even more. I'm staying away from both sides. I think Steelers have got enough on defense. I think Buffalo's got enough on defense. 
The NFL scheduler makers hit gold, I think, in this game. The New York Jets travel to Carolina to play Sam Darnold and the Panthers week one. I put it up because Geoff has uh, put it up twice. Sam Darnold, a top 15 fantasy quarterback. And I think that's the storyline. What does Sam Darnold do against his old team? Robbie? Is the is the kid from New York starting? Yes. The rookie is? Yes. Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson. Um, well, yeah, that's the storyline. The former guy versus the present guy for the Jets. And, oh, like – it will it will make the Jets' heads explode if Darnold's so much better in Carolina than he was in New York. And all of your uh, Jets fans on ESPN are, are going to be just ripping the Jets on Monday. And that's what I live for, so let's hope it happens. Rob, Raj? You know, Jets fans read the Post. Giants fans read the New York Times. Um, the Post can't wait to jump on this. That being said, the Panthers' offensive line is not very good. Uh, do I think Darnold, obviously I'm biased. I've seen him do amazing things, but the Panthers line is not one to protect him very well. And the Jets line obviously almost killed him. Being said, I think people love Darnold because yeah, I mean, he's just a winner aside from in New York, but who has been, but his weapons are insane. I, I think everyone sees that, whether it be Terrace Marshall you know, the kind of the next uh, Justin Jefferson in terms of what people believe. DJ Moore, who fantasy-wise, I've said this before, whenever I need him, he lets me down. Whenever I bench him, he has 250 yards and eight TDs. Um, and Robbie Anderson, Mr. Reliable. On top Not of that, you got McCaffrey. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, hey. So. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I was, I was just going to say um, – Hey, Randall, are we going to get a weekly stipend? I'm just looking at – this isn't college football. We've got to watch all these games at the same time. Are we getting a bar allowance, a little per diem to go to the bar and watch all these games? Yeah, we'll talk about that off our <laughs> – I don't want to admit this, shirts. but my biggest mistake, I do have Sunday ticket, and the only reason why is because when I first got DirecTV, number one, we don't have EPP. Gig City, by the way, Chattanooga, even my Silicon Valley buddies were like, Chattanooga has the fastest internet in the country. I didn't know that was a city. Number two, it's not in my ridiculously lame subdivision, so I have DirecTV. I'm too lazy to cancel it, and then I get my bill, which sucks. But I do have a Sunday ticket, and uh, I have no interest in watching the Raiders right now, so you guys want to come over? Yeah. I do wings. Have, yeah, we have Red Zone uh, on YouTube TV. So I watch fine. Red Zone more than I watch Sunday Ticket, even though I can get what, three. What, what's your prediction on the game there, Rod? Which one was this? Panthers? Jets? Uh, yes. What is this? Five? Is it five? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to do without the spread. Yeah. Should have, Rod. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the Jets if they're getting five. The over right, 44, I'll the and I'll take the over. All right, uh, New England, uh, excuse me, Minnesota at Cincinnati, storyline, Joe Barrel's health. I'll go first. Outright, I think Cincinnati beats Minnesota. Robbie? Oh, Joe Burrow's health, absolutely. Storyline, he's my QB1. He's got to be healthy and stay healthy. Um, I like 
and and I've got both Cincinnati receivers. It's because that's how I draft. Um, so They're yeah, I think Cincinnati catching three up. at home, Rob. You got a personal mantra: the Bengals are three point underdogs at home. We'll be throwing the ball a lot from behind. All right, Rog. You know, this is Rob's mantra. I'm going to stick with it. Even though Minnesota's a better team, I think the Bengals can, you know, three points at home. That's six, in my opinion. And uh, I'll take Cincinnati. San Francisco plays Detroit. I think the storyline is how much Trey Lance plays. I'll also pick San Francisco to destroy Detroit. Destroy Detroit. And I'm afraid the Lions are in for a long year offensively. Rog, what's your call on this one? Entirely agree. For once, I will not say anything more. You got to pick the game. San Francisco. I'll take seven and a half. That's going to be booted up, though. But the over under 45 is intriguing. I, I think I'll take the over. I think the Niners defense will not care that much. And I think there'll be some more points scored than we think. Robbie? Um, yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, probably one of the worst games of the week. Uh, Detroit's going to be terrible. Uh, I think San Francisco rolls. Um, interesting, yeah, if if uh, Garoppolo starts, he, I guess he is going to start, how how long he if he plays the whole game or if they do go to Trey Lance. So you said horrible games. Let me give you this to compare to that. The Jacksonville Jaguars traveled to the Houston Texans. I think the storyline is how bad the Texans are without Deshaun Watson. Oh, no, it, it's Urban Meyer. What does Urban Meyer look like in the NFL? What does Urban Meyer look like? Storyline, too. I'll take I'll take the Jags. Robbie? Yeah, I'll take Jags, too. Even though the Jags were horrible, the Texans, <laughs> good God, they could go 0-16, and I'm still standing by that. Yeah. You know, Jacksonville's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Texans have, like, 18 backs. Lindsey Ingram, David Johnson. No, it's not 2015, even though Texas or uh, Houston, which is it were. Uh, I just, you know, uh, Rob and I have similar foolish beliefs in that I don't believe a home team, especially to a crappy team, should be a nearly three-point dog. And I think Jacksonville's going to get bet up. So I have no idea why, but I'll take the Texans because I think they know this is their only chance to win a game. My, my buddy Howie took the Texans on uh, off the record with Randall, too. Well, the next smart game, man. I don't have a read on. I, and I think Carson Wentz is starting at quarterback. But who starts at quarterback for Indianapolis? How long do they play? Seattle and Indianapolis. I'll take Indianapolis all day long. Robbie? Um, oh, excuse me. I'll take Seattle all day long. Yeah, Seattle's already a two and a half point favorite. Oh, man, I'm gonna have to look at these lines because I'm going the opposite of all these lines. I'm gonna take Indy at home. Ah, nice, Rog. Uh, uh, unless I can't remember who the backup is now that uh, Jacoby Brissett is gone. Oh, uh, if Wentz plays. Indy all day, easy money. Um, Seattle has not been a good road team for years. But if Wentz doesn't play, then uh, everyone better yeah, leverage that changes quick. things. Yeah. It changes everything. That's why Vegas sets it at two and a half, because Vegas is a lot smarter than all of us. 
the game, I think um, at one o'clock I'll be watching other than the Falcons. The Arizona Cardinals travel to the Tennessee Titans. I like this game as a sneaky blowout or shootout. I think this could be a, a, a huge number. So I like the over, uh, my first thought. I also like the stack. And let me explain the stack DFS-wise. You play Kyler Murray naked. Don't play any of his receivers. But then you bring it back with a couple of Titans receivers. And what you hope for is you get a, just a pure shootout. And, and Murray has 100 yards on the ground and throws for 300. A.J. Brown has 150 and a touchdown, and Julio has 100 with a touch. I like I like stacking this game a different way, bunch of ways. There's also the stack where you could take DeAndre Hopkins and then stack the Titans offense maybe with Tannehill and A.J. Brown and maybe a shocker. You actually play a running back with a quarterback, which is a no-no. But I think the Titans are the one place you could do that. Uh, give me the Titans in a closer than most people call game. Yeah, I agree with it being a shootout. I think the Titans offense this year is going to be um, up there with the Chiefs as far as controlling what you can do, and you're going to want to keep them off the field because they can, if they want to. Let's say they want to keep you off the field for a six-minute drive. They can do that. If they want to go deep and run you to the air, they can. If they need to score quick, they can do that. Um, And Kyler Murray's going to get loose as he's done his uh, first two years. So, yeah, I I don't even know what the over is, but give me the over. Um, I think the Titans win a close, really, really entertaining game. So, it's the second highest over of the week. It's 52. Highest being the Browns and Chiefs at 54 and a half. I'll take the under on both. At 52, I think that could blow past that number by a long ways. And maybe I'm just living in a world that sees Kyler Murray as a better threat than he is. But you've got to you've got to tell yourself a story that Arizona can score in the mid-20s to even start thinking about this game from a DFS side. DFS standpoint, I agree. It's not like the Titans have been great defensively. Offensively, you kind of know what they're going to do. They're, you know, are they going to run Derrick Henry like crazy against the Cardinals? Probably not. And I just found, I guess it's just instinct and superstition that great offensive teams usually don't score a lot early on, unless it's like that Thursday game where it's just sloppy. Um, you know, Tennessee's a three point favorite. I think Arizona wins this game, unpopular opinion. And I'll take the under as well. So I bet you're nuts. But uh, I think Tennessee has shown an inability to really stand up at home. They seem to be a better road team where they could just mash people and run over them than they are at home. And, uh, you know, Arizona, I think, has improved enough defensively, even though the Titans have. I I, I think the under and the Cardinals. Interesting. Robbie, I think you're taking the Titans. Me, yeah. Okay. Me too. You think they'll score more than 52? Yes. I see this game in the 30s. Uh, I see I see it. I see it in the twenties at halftime. I see this like a 34 wow. game. Okay. I'll take first half against both of you guys and overall against both of you guys. Hundred bucks. Uh Washington hosts the LA Chargers. 
think the storyline, I think everybody can have their own storyline, but my storyline and what my season's built on is the Washington football team takes a major leap forward with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. I'll take the football team to get it done against Herbert. I, I don't like the stack here just because I believe I believe in the football team's defense. I think they're young, aggressive. Uh, awesome. Could be great. Robbie? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Fitzpatrick makes him a lot better. I'm obsessed with this theory that doesn't pan out as much as I hoped it would. But West Coast teams going to the East Coast for that 1 o'clock game, I think there's just something to that. Um, but it doesn't seem to pan out very much. But – I was all I do like Washington in this one. As when the Raiders were awesome from the West Coast oh, sorry, to the East ahead. Coast. Uh, granted, they it probably sucks. don't miss their flights. Granted, nobody wants to get to the stadium at eight a.m. ever uh, in the NFL. These are pampered dudes. When the Raiders were awesome with Gannon, Charlie Garner, UT, um, Wheatley, Tim Brown, Jerry Rice. Were better than everybody they played in the East Coast. I think they won one East Coast game. They don't like doing it. The only thing I can say is because it's week one, they maybe came out early. Being said, as a guy who drafted Herbert, despite my loathe, my nature to loathe the Chargers and Oregon, as someone who drafted Herbert, I'm scared because the Washington defense, I think, is the best defense in the NFL. I know everyone's going to say Tampa. Nobody has rush-ins like that. They're one-point underdogs at home. The Chargers have never been great on the road. Um, you know, catching one at home, I'll take Washington all day. All right, let's get through the 4 o'clock games. We'll start and see if we can get through this whole game in one minute. Quick. New York hosts the Denver Broncos. I'll take the Giants. The storyline is I won't watch a minute of this game. Robbie, yeah, this better not be the national game. Uh, no, yeah. no, I mean, yeah, give me the Giants, but who cares? Yeah, Rob. Giants for catching three at home. Giants, interesting game locally, not really a national game. The Fighting Tua's of Miami travels to the Fighting Mac Jones of the New England Patriots. Uh, I think the story is who plays better. I'll take New England at home. I want to see Tua in year two. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see how, how how he has progressed. Yes, yes, good point. Rod, I'll take I'll take Miami. More weapons, better defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm also yeah. taking Miami. Yeah. All right, two great. I think this will probably be an East Coast West Coast national games. The first on the East Coast, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers play the New Orleans Saints at New Orleans. The storyline is, will Aaron Wine and will Janus steal crab legs? I think it's, of course, how both quarterbacks play coming off of the offseason. I don't know what the line is. I just have a feeling that the Packers will roll. And I really, from a DFS standpoint, I could see playing Jameis Winston. I think he throws for 300 and probably a couple of touchdowns, but he might throw four interceptions too. So Packers are four point favorites on the road. I take I lay those four all day. Robbie. 
So this game has been moved to Jacksonville because of Ida. Yes. yes. So oh, yeah. the Saints do not have the Superdome advantage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, give me Green Bay big. Yes, I, I'm sorry. I should have mentioned that. You're right. I did not know that. I see it now. I agree with both of you. All right. I think this game is going to take a little bit of time. I know we're out of time, but the Cleveland Browns travel to AFC champions Kansas City Chiefs. I think this is a great storyline in the fact that we all sit around and we talk about how much the Browns have improved, how good's the Browns. How, what's the Browns going to look like? Browns have got two good backs. Can Baker step it up? Is OBJ going to be OBJ? If the Browns lay a turd, for lack of a better word, in week one, I think it sets a tone for their whole season. This is a must-play well. Not win, must-play well for the Cleveland Browns. With all that being said, I think the line is a – what is the line, Rog? Uh, I believe it's six, six and a half, uh, Kansas City, I'm gonna, maybe six. I'm going to lay those six points, and I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs are going to blow them out. Robbie? Um, yeah, storyline for me is what does the Chiefs O-line look like? Um, do they protect Mahomes better? Um, I disagree. I don't think – I think this is finally not your father's Cleveland Browns. I think they've built a really good team. I think – any showing here, I don't think it. I think so. They're still a playoff team. Um, obviously, you want to play well, play it close. But um, man, Andy Reid's a great coach, and he he schemes it well. And um, while the Browns have a lot of weapons, the Chiefs have more. Arrowhead's tough. The crowd as being empty last year is going to be rowdy. Um, Chiefs Chiefs win. Um, I think right around that spread line is, is what we're looking at, though. Okay, uh, viable. Raj? I agree with Randall. I think Kansas City just hammers them. Uh, the Browns are proof is in the pudding team. They've never, ever backed it up, uh, going back to the Ernest Biner days. And if you saw Hot Tub Time Machine, that, that squirrel even messed them up. Uh, great movie, by the way. Kansas City has heard all the hype about the Browns. The Browns are nothing but hype. And, I, I wouldn't say that. Now, they're very talented, but I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. And I don't believe in opening at a very mad Kansas City team that if they would have played Tampa Bay, you know, eight times out of ten, I couldn't say Tampa Bay would beat that that Kansas City team. Uh, I'll take the Chiefs. I think they're mad. They're at Arrowhead with fans, and I think they absolutely hammer. All right, heading to Sunday Night Football. I'm really kind of disappointed within this matchup because I thought the matchup would be Justin Fields versus Matt Stafford. Instead, we're getting Andy Bleepin' Dalton versus Matt Stafford. Chicago goes to Los Angeles. If Andy Dalton plays four quarters, this ain't going to be a close football game. Give me the Rams. Robbie? Um, Yes, give me the Rams, too. Is this – this is going to be – so – um, Seven and is, a half. Is LA allowing fans in the stands? Yes, okay. they are opening of SoFi Stadium. Yep. So, so usually I think this would be a very heavy um, Chicago invading the Rams, but because this is the season ticket holders' first chance there, I think it is majority Rams fans. 
Um, and so, yeah, and yes, I agree. The, Matthew Stafford in his debut in Los Angeles. I, I have a, a philosophy. Uh, what should be done eventually should be done immediately. So, yes, I would have hoped the Bears would have put Fields in. He, he, Dalton won't make it to the, their bye week. Yeah, uh, and is there – I meant to ask this earlier. Is there any more team that's built to win over the next two or three years and then be horrible – because the salary cap than the Rams. If they don't get it done, they're facing a long time. They may be bad. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I think they're pretty savvy. I didn't mean to interrupt Rob, but Leslie knows what he's doing. You know, he gave up a lot of players and came back and got Ramsey and was contractually friendly and let, you know, a great safety in John Johnson the third go to Cleveland, which is going to make Cleveland's defense better. You know, they give up a lot. Corey Littleton, other guys that they didn't want to overpay. Really the only guy they paid. I think they got Brockers back or they got rid of him, but Aaron Donald. And again, Ramsey they got in a trade and it was cap friendly. Um, but I don't I, think I, they have a number one or a number two for like half a decade. Any team in the NFL is just one Houston trade away from being back in the driver's seat. Absolutely. Well said. And and that's a winnable it's a kind of a tough division. You know, the Rams are seven and a half point favorites with over 46. I'd be surprised opening that stadium and just like the next game, the Raiders opening against the Ravens. Um, but yeah, I think the Rams are smash them. I really do. And then on Monday night football, you're lost at. Angeles slash Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders will be opening their new stadium, correct? To a full capacity? Mm-hmm. Correct. Against my fantasy quarterback who's going to have 150 yards on the ground and 200 in the air plus a 70-yard completion of Sammy Watkins. I want to pick the Raiders just because of the stadium situation. I tried to convince myself to pick the Raiders. Trust me, I like you, Raj. I wanted to pick the Raiders, and I still end up picking the Ravens. Uh, I think it's a close game. Uh, I think it's a low scoring. It's going to be. The over's 51. That's really high. Yeah, I like the under there. Yeah. And Monday night football, DraftKings has a million dollar single game game. I love playing those single games. So, um, Give me the Ravens in a close game. Robbie, we'll let Raj talk about his Raiders. Okay. Oh, go first or go last? Go first. Oh, okay. Um, so this is this this is so intriguing to me because what does the fans look like? Is this Raider Nation down front loud? Or is this your wine and cheese? I can afford these huge price tickets. Is it more like a quiet fan group uh, down low, and then you have some, you know, your Raider Nation up top? What is what? Is, how did they sell the tickets, and what was the pricing? It's gonna be big Raider Nation. Okay. Number one, it's Baltimore, but number two, I know a lot of people from Oakland and LA that are going to this game, and because. I mean, it's still shiny. It's going to be big-time Raider. Big time. Okay. All right. I, then, I, think, uh, I think there's going to be an – I think it's a lot of Raiders 
I just think there's an element of Vegas wants to be Vegas here. So mm-hmm. um, I think uh, you get both. This game. Yeah. Only four and a half. It's, That's kind of crazy. I think as it's a trend, you get more NBA basketball is, arena. On, on what I've got on my screen, it is – the highest price ticket available, and that is coming. That's higher than Tampa Bay coming off of a Super Bowl victory, unveiling the banner, ring ceremony. Uh, what's the lowest? Like two fifty? Like no, we just did this for Tampa. It was five eighty two for a normal like twenty yard t- ticket. Yeah, I've got, oh, I'm just saying just ESPN. to get in the building, though. Yeah, just just to get in. So that means a decent uh, so seat gonna, in this game will be a thousand. Yeah, I, I would say this is going to be uh, Saints post Katrina kind of party like. Uh, if y'all remember that a game against the Falcons, I believe, where it was just rocking. And so I'm going to take uh, Vegas in this one. Yeah, I was I, put that. The Raiders yeah. can't tackle anyone. Um, being a four and a half point dog. Home is one thing. I know there's going to be a ton of Raider fans there. There's been a ton of Raider fans in Oakland and L.A., and they still couldn't tackle. How many of those great seats are going to be pit boss-oriented seats, right? Um, do I think Baltimore is going to travel really well? No, it's Baltimore. It's probably one of the crappiest cities on earth. No offense to our Baltimore viewing population, which is probably three people. And I'll give you my address if you want to write me. We we have a hater that emails us from Baltimore, so they email. I love that. Actually, I love that dude. So, but I am taking Baltimore because Wait, the Raiders can't tar. They can't tackle Lamar Jackson. They cannot. They can't tackle anyone. They can't tackle freaking uh, what's his name? Uh, Drew Locke. How are they going to tackle Lamar Jackson? Uh, four and a half at home. It's going to be a lot of hype. They're going to smack in the face. The Ravens are a much better team overall. Um, with, you can't base this on emotion, even though I want to, and, and I'll be fired up and yelling at the TV. But I know they're, I know it's going to happen. All right, guys. Well, that finishes up our. Uh, how excited are you for Week One of the NFL? Which week? What gets you more excited? Week One of the college football season, or Week One NFL? For me. I like the college football layout better because they do a better job of spreading it out and you get to watch more games exclusively. Um, whereas the NFL is you have, especially if you're a fan of one. So for me, um, the, the one o'clock window is the biggest window and I'm focused on the Titans game. And then after that, I spread it out for the four o'clock games and then get the, the Sunday night, Monday night game. Um, but I, 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 like, I like to spread out open weekend of college. I, I agree with you, Roger. I, live, I, I agree. I love college football better than the NFL, but nothing other than the NCAA tournament Thursday and Friday for me is equal to that first Sunday that I get to set lineups in DraftKings and I get to set my fantasy lineup and I get to make all those decisions and I, I set my path the fourth place in our league as I annually do. It, it, it the NFL is much more of a holiday feel to it. And yeah. I'm yeah, looking I love college see, football. It will forever uh, be my favorite, but something about that NFL Sunday. Um, I, 
you know, I'm a pretty regular church goer. This Sunday, I will not be attending. Sorry, Pastor Phillips. I'm busy setting lineups. Rods, where are you hey, at? That's why church starts early on around these parts. But, yeah, college spreads it out from Thursday through, uh, you know, Monday and Labor Day weekend. They know what they're doing. The NFL, aside from that Thursday game and usually a, an okay Monday game, but NFL Sunday, the first Sunday especially, is why Buffalo Wild Wings is in business. So you can see 28 games, at, I mean, not literally, but all those games happening at once. And it's an amazing day. Everyone's got hope. Everyone's got excitement, sort of like, as Randall alluded towards, the beginning of the NCAA tournament. The NFL nails week one, uh, you know, week 11. I think we're all going to be watching college football more when there are conference rivalries going on and great teams and whatnot. But as of right now, you know, everyone's got a chance. You know who absolutely hates week one um, of the NFL is Clipper Clay. (laughs) Why? Oh, well, I mean, he's my yearly matchup on week one. And it's ah, – There we go. There it is. He's it's, it's probably his least favorite day of the year. He will be getting you will be getting text Ooh. messages from me, um, minute by minute, updating him of uh, how bad I'm beating him. I, I would probably Ooh. like to get an update for River City Media on that Sunday too. I may I may just throw that in there. So, um, a little different format. We're still going to do bet your nuts, but there's bet your nuts. You can come from a lot of different angles. Now I'm going to focus my bet your nuts on giving someone a nut-locked DFS play at a low dollar. So uh, I'm going to change mine up. I don't know how I'm going to track it, but I've got two. That sounds like Vegas. Nut-locked, low dollar. Sorry. that's. So I've got two for sleep. you Thursday night in the single game slate. Uh, I'd like to – I already talked about Antonio Brown. So from the New Orleans – from the New Orleans uh, Green Bay game, and ironically, your friend Troy just talked about it too. Troutman is out. You can get Juwan Johnson at balls minimum. He will start at tight end and also outside. If he scores tight three end? points, if he scores six points, he pays off. So I think Callaway's the number one <laughs> receiver. I think this guy's fighting for number two. You can hate all you want, but if he gives you a nine for $2,000, you're going to be cashing. Rod, no. no, Rod, I'm going to let you go next. You had, what's your, what's your, uh, bet your name? Uh, first of all, uh, well, Roy is actually my nephew in law, no, cousin in law, I think, even though I'm like 20 years older. Um, or Troy. I, I think you're wearing orange and white glasses. Six points is a lot Juwan, of points. That's not Jawan Jennings. That's Jawan hey. Johnson. Oh, different. My bad. Hey, I'm sorry. I just presume that San Francisco. He, I. I you mean Jawan Jennings is in San Juwan Francisco? Jawan Jennings are in San Francisco. Different guy. No, different guy. I mean, I I just presume that. I my apologies, and yeah, I back you up fully. Um. I bet you're nuts. I, number one is Iowa. I'll take Iowa all day. Four and a half. I think they're better than Iowa State. I think they're going to shut them down. 
Um, if we're going to do college and NFL, I think I did say the game I love the most. But, uh, oh, it's the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs smashed the Browns. I think that one too. Robbie, we all know we all know that you're busy picking up running backs over the next few days, but <laughs> in your time handicapping, what are you liking? Um, so I think that Ohio State is going to see this is their chance to make a statement and secure themselves in the playoff conversation the rest of the season. Uh, 14 and a half is a lot of points. I think Ohio State lays it on Oregon. Nice. At home, right? Yeah. Yeah. Smash them. Yeah. If I put on my orange-colored glasses, I like Tennessee laying three or catching three with Pitt. I think that number is about right. Pitt sucks. I mean, what is – how is Pitt a favorite? I have no idea. And why. You didn't watch us last decade? You... I I mean, have you watched it ever since Tony yeah. Dorsett? Yeah. Hey, and the great thing about it, it's being called the Johnny Majors Classic. So that's the main reason I want to go. I love Coach Majors. Robbie, yeah. what else you got? If you Select. want a value pick, um, I've been on him all year long. He has been amazing. Kyle Larson at plus seven fifty to win. Okay. That's that's value for the best driver this year in NASCAR. So uh, hey. that's that's pretty good. We had a lot of stuff. If now, I can have a last word, real quick. Well, are we on last, last word, word yet, Randall? Okay. I, I just somehow I just went. We just got you a just message. Went disco, disco, disco. We just disco. got a message from one of our listeners on the Marion Messenger. That predicted, and I'm sorry, I think it was Tony Kaufman predicted the Dallas Cowboys over the Tampa Bay Bucks 21-17. I think that's a great call. Low scoring, I'll take Dallas. So, last words are going to come around. Let me start here. Two new shows, not one, two new shows. And I think a couple, we're going to draft y'all guys into a couple of these shows this week. So, tell your families, sorry, but you got to do football. Thursday night at 8 o'clock with Brandon Chain, to, soon to be the host. I'll be joining it this week. Stretch the Chain is intended to be a college football preview show where the we don't really have time to get into the weeds a little bit, but Brandon wants to get in the weeds with some of these games, pick some of these games, really do college football at the highest level. So Thursday, Stretch the Chain with Brandon Chain. Robbie, I think you're committed to episode one. I don't know if you remember doing that, but you kind of did. Yes, I, I I have a trial coming up next week. My first time in a, uh, in front of a jury since uh, February or January of 2020. So um, I, I can make an appearance. I will be sober the rest of the week um, okay. and leading up or up till the end of the trial. So, um, but yes, I, I can I can hop on for a little while. How about you, Ron? No crowd, is it? Is it like COVID based? I mean, Corona like juries or what? Yeah, I don't. I we'll find out Friday. I have no idea what to do. <laughs> a pre-trial conference on Friday, and I'll find out what the what the guidelines are, and and we'll go from it's it's like my first trial all over again. 
I got faith in Rob, though. One of the best parts about him, and again, I hate talking about him when he's listening, is that uh, he doesn't overthink things, and and, and I think uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, when it comes to last words, you want me to go first or last? No, nope, I got one more show to announce. Sure. Uh, my bad, sorry. Sunday at 9 a.m., Geoff, uh, our friend Geoff, Jeff Miller, our friend Arden Scruggins, and I'm sorry, Bill, I cannot remember your name. He's someone that's been on Nashville Sports Radio for quite a while. Is going to do a Sunday DFS heavy preview show along with the biggest stories from college football the day before. So Thursday, Stretch the Chain with Brandon Jane. Sunday's the victory formation with Jeff Miller and Arden Scruggins and some guy I'm yet to learn his name, but I think it's Bill. So that's my last words. Now, on to you, Raj, with those famous last words. Let Rob go because I have a kind of a weighty last words this week. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was afraid of that. I'm not being arrogant, but it's fairly weighty, so I don't want to. Um, well, well, good. Mine, gonna win his first trial since February. Robbie, mine, mine is very uh, lighthearted and uh, and just kind of self-deprecating. I've realized watching my face on TV now that my beard is getting grayer and grayer, and I'm having random lines down my face. <laughs> You're too so young, you dude. Go, you are too I mean, young. You got to grow it out to where you can see all the hair or shaved where I cannot. Oh, Randall turned uh, the I Can't Drive 55 on Sunday, so I understand. Yeah, happy belated birthday. Thank you, brother. Happy birthday. Uh, I texted him. Rob didn't. You? I did, too. He sent me flowers. You know it's Rob Randall. <laughs> flowers at 55? That's not a good thing. Yeah, well, it was actually it had looked like Allison's handwriting, but I just assumed Robbie sent it. And 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 a and a fantasy trade. Yeah, and three trades. If we made a trade right now, that whole league would come undone. <laughs> right, uh, Meta, who brought the new last words? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Troy Bryant. That's a big bring to the show. Nah, man, that's what I was afraid of. Like I said. I- you know, you know, Roy's a very smart kid, and uh, I met him when he was 14, and um, for unfortunate circumstances, my wife's, my in-laws took him in, um, and, you know, he made a decision to, uh, very bright kid, but, you know, was a bit lazy in that sense, like we all are, and he made a decision to, uh, to never be that again, and um, he's extremely intelligent, and like Robbie... I don't want to hype him up too much because he's kind of an arrogant little punk, and uh, even though he's like 35 now. But really, my last word is about Can Sam Cunningham. Join the club. Uh, Sam the band, Bam Cunningham uh, from USC passed away today. He was 71 years old. Uh, as uh, Randall knows, he was – the first African-American player to ever play in, I believe, in the state of Alabama. They played an all-white team in 1971, I think, and USC basically took it to them. Um, there's a legend that Bear Bryant said, I don't believe this is true, where he grabbed Cunningham and brought him into the Alabama locker room and said, now this is what a football player looks like, but it's metaphorical. Um I'm not sure if that happens or not. There's a lot of contention. There was a documentary in 2013 called Against the Tide. Go ahead. Uh, that's what I was about to bring up. 
a lot of people accuse Bear Bryant of bringing that USC team in with uh, Sam Cunningham as an example of African-Americans. And the reason he wanted to integrate the Alabama football team was the ass kicking that John McKay and Sam Cunningham laid on that Alabama team. Well, Cunningham said after that game is what they saw was the future. And the assistant for Bama, I remember his name, Jerry Claiborne, said Sam Cunningham did more to integrate Alabama in 60 minutes than Martin Luther King did for Alabama in 20 years. So rest in peace to Sam Cunningham. And... um, Brother, you know, a pioneer in multiple multiple ways, and uh, much respect, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm speechless again. Very few times. NFL Hall of Famer Randall Cunningham, but I truly Is believe he? that. Yes. Is that true? Yes, I, I believe I am correct. I don't know about that. Brother okay. or uncle? One of the two. Probably uncle, because Cunningham is a uh, 71, and Randall Cunningham's yeah. like 50. Right? Uh, I think they're brothers. Let's Google. Why you uh, got to blow me up, dude? I was saying a very meaningful thing about a very meaningful topic, Randall. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I mean, now you took my thunder away. No, for real, um, if you've never seen Against the Tide, it's a documentary from 2013. It's a very important documentary. Uh, Lynn Swan once said, the entire SEC, especially Alabama, owes Sam Cunningham a tremendous debt of thanks and appreciation for his play that opened the door to black athletes in 1970. I don't think that's Pac-12 uh, self-gratification, if you will. Uh, I think it's fact. And um, it really changed the course of sports, not just college football in the South, uh, of sports all over the country, uh, and not just college football. And so rest in peace at age 71 in Inglewood, California, Sam the Bam Cunningham. Among Cunningham's survivor is younger brother, NFL quarterback Randall Cunningham. What does that mean, though? That is. That's his brother. I think there were. Survivors? That could be anything. Way to go, Randall. Way to blow up my spot. Randall Cunningham is the brother of Sam Cunningham, but you made a great point. Well, and hey, also, in that. 1971, uh, previous to that, in 1970, Bear Bryant had had a chance to recruit a Condridge Holloway who played quarterback at Tennessee and now has right. a statue in Tennessee. And uh, when asked about recruiting Condridge Holloway, he said he would recruit him as a player, but the state of Alabama was still not ready for a black quarterback. So credit to Bear Bryant for breaking a lot of the milestones for acknowledging that, but also credit to Tennessee. Yeah. To um, segregate it. Also, um, Sam DeBam Cunningham had a 10 year NFL career with new England, new England. Yeah. Uh, He was a great NFL player and I didn't mean to step on your, uh, I think they have another brother too, that may have played in the NFL. I may be wrong, but this whole family is like football royalty. So, no, I agree entirely, and um, he, I know that he once said that, you know, he was just there to play football. He knew what the importance was of playing in, I don't know, I think it was Birmingham at that time. I don't believe it was Tuscaloosa, but, um, you know, he, he eventually said that he didn't realize the full impact until later. However, 
he knew that he was, and I'm paraphrasing, changing the course of history, not necessarily with the South, but God knows what he experienced at that time anywhere in the country, let alone there. And uh, much respect to the man and uh, rest in peace. 71 is too young. So to uh, read from his obituary, as Southern California was honored with an All-American, he was consensus All-American in 72 while helping the Trojan win the national championship. His dominant performance in the USC 42-20 to 20 win over all white Alabama team in 1970 was a catalyst for Southern schools to integrate. Forcing the realized segregated programs would never be able to compete with the more competitive integrated teams. Gary Claiborne, who went on to be the head coach at Mississippi State, by the way, is quoted with saying, Sam Cunningham did more to integrate the state of Alabama in 60 minutes than Martin Luther King did in 20 years. Drafted 11th by the New England Patriots. Uh, played 107 games. Uh, All-Pro in 78. Rushed for 3,165 yards. Uh, I, I've got to say quickly, though, Randall, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, he had 135 and two TDs that day, but it wasn't just about him. And Bear Bryant acknowledged that. There, there was a large uh, – the USC team was very diverse, and California's a different state. I'm not going to say one is better than the other or whatnot. But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't just about football, and the SEC just didn't change because of football. Uh, it, 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 it was an eye-opener, especially in, you know, two-thirds of the country. And so, uh, it, for the better – and much respect to the man. And to the in, front of, in front of Gate 21 uh, at the Bowling Green game, there was a ceremony that placed a statue of Jackie Walker, the first black African-American in the SEC, Condra Talloway, the first black quarterback in the SEC, and T. Martin, the first black quarterback to win the SEC championship. And I'm sorry, I didn't remember the man's name, but uh, – the first wide receiver that played at Tennessee in the SEC in 67. Uh, those are now in front of gate 21 as you enter Neyland stadium. So I'm going to be proud to go see that this weekend. So uh, looking forward to Mass, it. Mass say this quickly. I don't like Brian Kelly. I'm very liberal. I think we are a bit oversensitive in, in our PC principle world. Brian Kelly recently said that uh, we didn't, Execute well, essentially, which is why all of our players should be executed. He got taken to taken to task for that. He's paraphrasing a quote from John McKay, who was the coach of that 1971 USC team and who recruited Sam Cunningham and who loved Sam Cunningham. Point being is, again, I'm as liberal as they come, so is Rob. Context means everything. Yeah, and I'm 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 as the other ways it comes, and that really didn't that doesn't offend anybody if you know the context. And Robbie, any final words for you? Other than you're about to go to sleep on the air. Yeah, bedtime. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. It was a good show. Um, yeah, thanks for watching. All right, everybody. Um, Thursday or Tuesday, we'll be back. Robbie, I do want to talk to you about Bobby popping on and talking trash to Clay a little bit on Sunday if you feel like it. Uh, all right. All right, man. Everybody have a great night. And for Randall, Robbie, and Rods, 
we bid you an adieu and my just broke my phone stand so might as well go i was gonna say that's a new way to go out but i like it all right see ya <laughs>